hello everybody. This is uh, Rose Tinted Reels. This is going to be our sixth episode for the Rocky Horror Picture Show. I am your co-host, Zachary Duncan, and I, I have to the side of me someone else. Uh, you have Allison Krause, yeah. but, but Zach, uh-huh. there's a third host. Well, I think this would be considered a guest more so than a host. Oh, yeah. He's the uh, guest host with the most. Yes. Not Beetlejuice. <laughs> the Beetlejuice is good, too. But he's got nothing on Timmy Callahan. So well, uh, let's welcome Timmy Callahan to the recording. Hello. Oh, you guys are too sweet. Yeah. Well, we love you. You're a good man. I'm blushing. Nobody can be able to see that, but I'm definitely blushing right now. Yeah. Um, if it's not obvious, we've got Timmy on uh, a, a remote connection. So th there may be a, a slight delay in response to things. Uh, but we're going to go on and hopefully in the, the final mix of everything, it's going to sound okay. I think we got this. So, All right. Yeah, well, your, your dog just vomited and is eating the throw up. It's good for her. <laughs> okay. Sorry. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm sitting here horrified. Like, I know you're freaking out. Like that's just, that's natural. That's nature taking its course. But she's eating it. <laughs> yeah. That's how vomit is cleaned in this house. <laughs> and that is when Timmy and Allison learned never to go barefoot again. <laughs> well, no, she cleans it up well. Just don't give her a kiss. That's the thing. Um, well, take all the fun out of your thing, why don't you? <laughs> <laughs> so, all right. So, you know, this is this is act one, the Rose Garden address. So, you know. Now the cat's eating it. <laughs> <laughs> well, can we, let's, let's, let's drop focus on the vomit. The vomit doesn't matter. What matters is the podcast. So normally Zach and I record out of my house, but we decided to try to try to do a new setup. And with all new things, there's a bit of an adventure. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm fine. I'm, I'm cozy. <laughs> this is good. He's very comfortable and I'm like freaking out. <laughs> Everything's all right. Everything's going to be good. Um, so, so Timmy, I, I would like yeah. to start with a bit of a controversial question. Okay. Okay. So it is now the Halloween season officially. We're recording all of our spooky podcasts. Mm -hmm. um, it is the season of candy corn. Now, candy corn itself is quite a controversial candy. I don't know that it is. I mean, people just don't like it, right? Well, that that is the controversy. Uh, I think it's is universal. people either like it or they hate it, kind of like Rocky Horror Picture Show. Um, <laughs> I personally love candy corn, but I, I was going to pull you fellers. How do you feel about the corns that are candy? Well, I have a very well-developed opinion that I hate it, but I, I haven't had one in years. So do you mind if I have one of your corns? Yeah, please do. I brought, I brought it for your enjoyment. All right, Timmy, take over while I eat. Well, I, for one, enjoy candy corn, just not usually in a high dose. Like, I don't know. It's just like it's one, it's like one of those foods that I feel like once you eat a certain amount of it, it's just like the, the taste. It's kind of like, it's kind of like when you, like, I don't know, for me at least, like a food that like, or drink for, actually that I, I like initially, but by the end, I don't, by the end of the bottle or by the end of the serving, I'm tired of it. There's like Gatorade. Mm, just like, like the, the, the high sugar. Sugar yeah, like I think candy corn is kind of like that same thing. I can I can eat like here and there candy corn, but you won't see me house candy corn like I would like a Reese's thing or something, you know. <sighs> okay, I finished my corn. I like it, but not that much. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I it don't is know. not the season for me until I've had some. I can see it being a good traditional, like almost a religious 
ceremony to eat some candy corn. The sacrament the of the candy corn. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I can see that being a thing, and I kind of like that idea. Um, I don't know. It tastes like... I push the candy corn in your tongue for you. What's that? <laughs> somebody put in a row places the candy corn on your tongue for you. Yeah, yeah. I'll get I'll get a little boy to do it for me. Your move, holy man. <laughs> uh, so I, I, I don't know. It tastes like mushy sugar, which isn't a bad thing. But it's made with it, real mushy honey. Oh, well, kind of. Yeah, I can. Well, I can taste the honey now that you mention it. <laughs> it's a whisper. It's, it's a hint. It is a mere hint of honey. Blinking, you'll miss it. <laughs> Sorry, I I just uh. I'm thinking of the office where uh, coconut penis soda. It's real subtle on the coconut. <laughs> <laughs> One of my favorite moments is when Daryl takes a sip. What's the harm? And he goes, mm, what's in that? <laughs> just, like his voice gets real what, husky what, for a what moment. What flavor is this? Coconut and penis. <laughs> the coconut's real subtle. <laughs> coconut's real subtle. <laughs> oh, man. So I will say that with candy corn, there is a proper way to eat it. Uh Oh, you see how See, maybe this is my problem. Maybe I haven't been eating it right this whole time. So it's segmented into three colors, the white, Uh the orange, and then the yellow. Uh huh. You have to eat the colors separately. So you bite the white part and then you bite the orange until the yellow is left. I noticed you didn't wait for the white to be digested before you go right in for the orange. It's the series of how you have to bite it. Oh, okay. So you're not like trying to parcel out different flavors? No, it's all flavored the same. Yeah, okay. So this is merely, it's a, it's, it's it a ceremony. T- it tastes better if you chew it in threes. Oh. It, it's holy. It's the holy three corns. See? Okay. All right, let me try that. <laughs> maybe maybe, maybe I'm going to like it a lot better now. White. I'm, I'm imagining this in my mind right now. It's, it's beautiful. Um <laughs> We've never had food on the podcast before. And we've talked a lot about it. We had a lot of food porn last episode. Oh, yeah. Talked about cheeses. Fish heads. Prosciutto. <laughs> uh, the prosciutto that you did not mm. care for. No, it gets stringy and in your teeth. It's it's horrible. It's It makes the day worse. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> You're so, just going to move past prosciutto like that? Well, You're not going to defend it? No, it's because... So, me personally... Uh-huh. I am not a huge prosciutto fan. I'm not a ham fan. Oh, you I, don't even like ham. Yeah, I no. like pork and I like bacon, but I don't care for ham. Interesting. What's your stance on ham, Timmy? Oh, I was going to say, are you asking the audience or are you asking Timmy? What? <laughs> <laughs> like, I was actually thinking, I'm like, I'm like, yeah, come think of it. Like, I mean, if you wrap ham and cheese, I'm there for ham, obviously. If you wrap anything in cheese, I'll probably eat it. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. But, I agree with you. That's very American. Yeah, I mean, like, they, yeah. <laughs> America. Um, Smother it in uh, cheese and fry it. <laughs> I like prosciutto, but yeah. I like prosciutto, but, like, it's also, like, regular ham, like, it depends on, like, if it's, like, sli- like sliced, like, you know, like, 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 a, like a holiday ham or something like that, that's more appealing than, like, lunch meat ham, I mm, guess. Interesting, interesting. I don't know. I, I like holiday ham, the real thick cut stuff. Yeah. But the thinly, the thin mm-hmm. slice stuff, maybe it's more manufactured, and maybe I'm revealing more of my Americanness. But I, I kind of like that. I, I like the very <laughs> thin, single-serving sort of ham. So, uh, yeah, I just the sweetness of a honey ham is not something that I dig on. It, it's just it, it's a personal preference. Mm-hmm. Also, ham is often paired with mustard, and I like Dijon mustard, but I'm not a big like yellow mustard person. 
Oh, okay, interesting. Mm. I'm only yellow. Dijon can take a hike. <laughs> take a short walk. See, off the, of the more and here. more we talk, <laughs> I just don't think we're food compatible. We're not food compatible. <laughs> <laughs> but I will say, prosciutto is. I am in the middle. <laughs> <laughs> Timmy likes everything. Yeah. So I will say that prosciutto is <laughs> often served with cantaloupe melon, and I don't care for cantaloupe. Really? Honeydew. That's the that honey I've, melon. I don't That's know the that money I've, melon. The money melon? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know that I've ever met someone that doesn't like cantaloupe. Oh, I don't. I hate it. Wow. What do you think about watermelon? Yeah, I, I'm You're the same, Timmy? I, I like cantaloupe. You do? Good, I, good. I like watermelon a whole lot. Yeah? Yeah. I just, uh, cantaloupe. Is it like a texture thing, a consistency, or is it a taste? It's a taste. Because, oh. like, I've had um, melon-flavored things. Like, a lot of Japanese candies are melon-flavored, and just right. don't dig on it. Honeydew I like. Fine. It Watermelon's the best. Agreed. Agreed. But, yeah, cantaloupe. Yeah. Wow. This has gotten very controversial. More controversial than candy corn, I think. <laughs> yeah. Well, this is a year-round uh A year-round <laughs> Well, I feel like candy corn was the bait. It's like, how you feel about ham? <laughs> <laughs> we should have saved that conversation for Easter films. Yeah. Also, we've done yeah. <laughs> how much time now on on food? Ten minutes on food. <laughs> I think we can get off of food now. Okay. So <laughs> podcast updates. Uh, I would like to issue an apology to our um, beautiful composer. What's his name? Julian Crowhurst. And he, when he corrected me, he's like, it's not crow, it's crow, like the bird, like caca. Oh, so he <laughs> so, gave you some sound effects. He did. Sell it. Yeah. So I, I just wanted to get that that corrected. Um, yeah. The composer of our intro music, Julian Crowhurst. Crowhurst. Get it right, people. And Zach, he says he loves you too. Oh, thank you, buddy. <laughs> See, this is a guy I've never met, but I feel like I formed a connection. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Mm, I like it. I like it. It feels good. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, so a little update from me. I got health insurance finally. I'm on the grid, baby. Yeah. I can go to a doctor now and get shots and things. Please get your flu shot. I need to get my flu shot. Yeah. With, I'm... with absolutely no risk yep. of mental disorder resulting. Co correct. Good, good, yeah. good. Um, you may feel fatigue. You may have a little soreness in your arm. Mm -hmm. Some people get mild symptoms, but they usually clear up within a day or two. If you get them at all. This has been Dr. Allison Krause. <laughs> Dr. Allison Krause, medicine woman. <laughs> <laughs> medicine woman, I like that. Uh, and I did have a follow-up from our last one, from our last movie, A Tale of Two Sisters. Do you mind if I hit you with a few uh, follow-ups? Hit me with a few shots. All right. <clears throat> so, the thing wrapped up in the fridge, I did confirm elsewhere on the internet that it is a fish. Okay. It is a red herring. And it is a literal red herring. How beautiful is that? <laughs> because it meant nothing. It meant nothing to the story. It contributed to no twist or anything. It was just there. She got shocked by a fish. And then why Why did she drop it? Why did she get shocked by it? I it, don't know. It was smelly. and Oh, you think that it was just the smell hit her in a wave and she it scared her? Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of attribute it to like, you know, the smell of... Um, when Wade, my dog, vomited, like mm -hmm. I, it, I had a very visceral, shocking reaction of you know gagging in my own mouth and mm -hmm. that kind of thing. Yeah, and then my dog has to vomit next to you and make you feel right at home. Real welcome. Yeah, good. <laughs> I'm glad she could do that for you. <laughs> um. <laughs> anyways, all right. So, so the the next thing uh, was why was Sumi killing birds and why did she put them in Suyun's bed? I, I couldn't get that out of my mind because I had to re-listen to the episode when I was editing it. Mm -hmm. 
And like that, I just couldn't get that out of my head. Do, do you have a, a theory on that? So I will say that Timmy, before we started, uh, indicated that he had not yet seen A Tale of Two Sisters. Oh, Timmy, are you interested in seeing that movie or would you be upset by spoilers? I don't think, I, I think I, I still would be, I mean, it sounds like you guys like that a lot, so I don't think it's something that like anything you could say could ruin it really. Okay. He hasn't listened I mean, to the full episode. <laughs> I haven't. No, I haven't. Well, so, I don't want to spoil the episode for you. Yeah. You still have to listen to that. I'm, I'm very agreeable. I'm like, okay. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that, that I, the only thing I could, well, there's no way for me to describe an answer without ruining it for Timmy. So I'd prefer not to answer that this episode. Okay. But. All right, fair enough. And, well, then you may not be able to see my next thing was a more plot revealing question. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to do it. When stepmom drags Su Yun into the wardrobe, Sumi is sleeping in the adjacent bed. Mm-hmm. Why didn't she wake up if this was a waking delusion? If she was just dreaming, then she was dreaming of herself being asleep and those two were fighting and she would have remembered it when she woke up. Again, I can't really answer that without... Spoiling. Uh, close your ears, Timmy. Only one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, Timmy has um, hearing loss in one of his ears, so he only has to close one ear. Oh, yeah. Okay. So close close ear. <laughs> ear sync. Okay. <laughs> All right. Go ahead. Go I'm going to do, it. do okay. it. All right. So my theory is that one of the personalities had to be resting for the other two to have life. We only see two interacting at once. It, it, uh, no, that's not true. We see one scene where all three of them, but... Yeah, the intro, when they first yeah. meet the stepmom, yeah. But otherwise, it's just usually two players. Okay, but so you think it was a delusion where she saw herself sleeping in a bed? Well, I, I think she, in her mind, like she went to go to bed, mm-hmm. and then the other two personalities were acting out a scene. Uh... Okay, so you think she she was seeing the room even though her eyes were closed? Mm-hmm. Like she was seeing a scene play out um, that was so real because of her delusions. And then she woke up and she was in her bed. So she, I mean, she could have been um, as the stepmom at that time and then woke up in her bed. Like she blinked and so it could have been like a sleepwalking thing. Interesting. Okay, all right. I could potentially buy this. Now, how do we signal to Timmy? He needs to... Timmy, listen again. Hey, I'm good now. Okay. Uh, Welcome back. All right. So I think the tagline for the movie should be, you'll enjoy this next time. (laughs) Tale of Two Sisters. (laughs) You got to watch it twice. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Um, I I, I breezed past that for like a past couple of years. Like, I'm going to watch that eventually. Just haven't gotten to it. I recommend it. I recommend watching it. But watch it twice. You have to watch it twice. That's why I hear about Tenet, too. Oh, really? I I haven't seen Tenet yet. Oh, Tenet? Yeah, I'm really interested in seeing that movie. I've heard from some people, most people, I I think that it's a great movie. Really confusing, as with most Christopher Nolan movies. Mm -hmm. But a couple people, uh, some people that we know on on Facebook have been saying that the audio is really bad. That's surprising. I've heard that, yeah. Yeah, I've I've been hearing that the audio, like the, the dialogue is really low. Like, you can't hear it over the music and stuff. They, they put a lot of emphasis on that. Like, you should be pumped music right now. So I, I could see that being a problem. Yeah. So, comments. I don't have any new comments, but I thought... From, t- the, from the social medias? Yeah, but Timmy is a listener. 
Mm. So Timmy could give us a live feedback. Ooh. That seems cheating. Well, until we get more (laughs) five-star reviews where no matter what, we have to read them. Yeah, so that's our policy. If you go to Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star review, we will read it in this section of the podcast, no matter what it says. It can be however negative you wish or positive. I, I also encourage positive reviews. But negative reviews, if you feel like uh, issuing a protest to us, that is the most effective way to get it. But if you say something mean, Mm. it'll make our friend Timmy cry. So don't make Timmy cry. Do you want to make Timmy cry? I want everyone listening to imagine me with a sad face right now, Mm -hmm. which will be even funnier for people who have never seen me. So you can make up what you want. I know. (laughs) What does Timmy look like? Send in a picture of what you think he looks like. (laughs) And as a teaser for this episode, I will release Timmy as Dr. Frankenfurter, <gasps> as a teaser image. How exciting. Oh, okay, so is this the perfect opportunity to talk about that glorious night? I think it is. Um, so You can tell me more about it than I can. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, a few years back, Allison tried to give Timmy false eyelashes, and it was woefully difficult. <laughs> you, I think you also, did you try to paint eyeliner on me? Uh, I I have painted eyeliner on you. Only half of my eye, though. I couldn't do the other half. Yeah, you were very blinky. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> so uh, one of the things I enjoy doing, apparently, is putting makeup on my male friends. So uh, one year for Halloween, um, every year there is a huge party in Easton hosted by my cousin Chris called the Carnival Macabre. Mm-hmm. Um, and Timmy decided that he wanted to have the most dramatic entrance to the party. Uh, did he? Sure did. I will let Timmy answer. <laughs> yeah, how did you feel about that? How was your reception? What, did it live up to your expectations that night? Yeah, I think, well, like, it's like one of those things, like, you, I got, like, I felt like it was fun, and like, like, I, like, I did kind of what I wanted to do, but then, like, there were, like, little things afterwards when, like, I was like, oh, I should have done this instead, you know? You know what my biggest crit- critique was? Have we said yet? He was dressed up like uh, Frankenfurter. It wasn't an actual corset? Yes. If you're going to do it, wear the actual restrictive clothing. Okay, so what were you wearing in, yeah. in place of a corset? A glitter vest. A glitter um, <laughs> it was just a costume. It, it, it was a costume corset. This came with like the bad costume thing. Uh, but it, it, wasn't like, shattering your, it wasn't shattering your ribs, and so it wasn't authentic? That was my critique, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no. And, and, we, and we never out. Love of doing that. So, I do love which actually is funny you mention that. Yeah, it's funny you mention that because actually I was because uh, I was talking with my my lady Alicia about like Brentfest not being a thing, and she's saying like like we're sadly and yeah, yeah. still warning that. But um, she was like she like, her mom tried to like to cinch a corset for, her and she was like it's not right enough because her mom is a very thin person. Like you know she's not like you know I mean like you, you need to have like, the determination to, to cinch a corset as Allison knows. <laughs> I like making the ends touch. I don't know if it's much more scientific than that. (laughs) I don't know what that means. I told her, I said, what? I was like, you ever need somebody to send a corset in like tight? I I know just the girl who can do that and will love doing it. Yeah. Does she like breathing? Because that's not a requirement in my world for corset wearing. (laughs) Well, she actually said, she actually said, you're not supposed to be able to breathe easily while wearing it. I'm like, yeah, you've got it exactly right. Yeah. What's the life expectancy for a person wearing a corset? Well, so if you're wearing it kind of recreationally, non-consistently, so like if you don't wear it day to day, it's not really going to affect you that much. Oxygen is still getting to your brain then. Yeah, I I would say that a combination 
of corset wearing with face mask and high heat might be a little difficult. Hmm. But <laughs> now off topic, yeah. this is my third or fourth candy corn. Mm-hmm. I don't know that I like it anymore, but they are addicting. Yeah. <laughs> 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 I don't know that that's a glowing recommendation. And you're not eating them 100% right, are you? No, I'm eating them in four parts. <laughs> in four parts. <laughs> well, the orange part is very wide. <laughs> but um, so uh, you were asking about what I meant when I was talking about corset sides yeah. kissing. So when you tie the strings, the corset um, comes in. So it reshapes. Right. So when the ends come together, when you tighten the strings, it closes. Oh, okay. I got you. So you just want those two ends to touch somehow on the top or bottom or in the middle. Does it matter all over? And that's just me being a perfectionist. They don't have to. They, the corset can still fit you and have some of the gapping and some people like the look of the gapping. I like to make the ends kiss because I'm a completionist. So in Pirates of the Caribbean, when Elizabeth is getting her corset put on. Uh Uh-huh. Did they, the ends touch in that? Well, so the dress she was wearing was actually uh, two or three corsets because there's the holy un- moly, there's the under corset that you have to be put in that is the shaping, and then the dress is corseted and closed tight. So when I'm in one of my Disney princess gowns, typically those are a two corset system. Wow, I feel like at at a certain point you're going to be suspending your ver- vertebra. <laughs> My posture is excellent in a corset. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, I feel like that can't be healthy. Um, I will say that it's not so much the um, posture that's the issue. It's the shifting of your internal organs from long wear that's the problem. That also sounds bad. Yeah, no, that's not something you want. So it's interesting because, you know, really trained corset people have those really impossibly tiny waists. Um, I'm looking at your hands right now, and that's too small. Please tell me that's not realistic. Oh, no, that's uh, there's actually a drag queen performer who has permanently shaped her body with a corset. And uh, I'll have to pull up a picture. um, Sharon Needles. uh, I think her name is Violet Tchotchke. Sharon Needles is the only one I know. (laughs) I heard that part last podcast or the the first one I watched. Was that it? Was that in the uh, the Breakfast Club episode? Yeah, Ah. I was from the I think I think I'm like about 20 minutes shy of finishing that. But all right. Allison, I got the reference. Woo! Allison's uh, Googling <laughs> for this particular drag queen. Her name is Violet Chachki, and she's absolutely stunning, but she has permanently shaped her ribs. Holy Jesus! That looks like a Coke can that was twisted, and it gets that little, like, it, the middle of it, like, goes bows in. Oh, my God, that looks so unhealthy. So that... Um, <laughs> I'm Googling this now, too. Yeah. Uh, do uh, Violet Chachki, C-H-A-C-H-K, uh, and the uh-huh. word corset, uh, because she is a fully corset-trained person. Yeah. So that's considered fully corset-trained, is when your body is now oh, God. permanently figured in that way. It's That's disgusting. That is, like, genuinely, that's disgusting. It looks like it's basically just her spine with a little bit of skin wrapped around it. Oh. Yeah, that looks like it hurts. I mean, there there are some pictures, Timmy. There are some pictures that are worse than others. That Like, there's one that has a a tape measure that wraps around her waist. Mm -hmm. Jesus. So, I I will Mm. say that, me, I like a corseted look, but I don't like a disfigured figure like a permanently disfigured look so like i like dita von tees 
Um, Excuse me? Dita Von Teese, uh She is a burlesque performer. Um, oh, okay. She used to be married to Marilyn Manson. Of course. But she wears kind of... I, I don't think she's permanently shaped. Um, well, she looks like a, a human being right there. That's that's all right. Yeah, she I mean, skinny, I, but so she has some of the shaping, but it's hers is more like a pinup kind of yeah. look to her. So this is um, very much in topic with the <laughs> yeah <it laughs> Rocky is. Horror Picture Show. Um, but yeah, yeah no, Dita Von Teese is I just think one of the most stunning people on the planet. Yeah, that's fine. She looks she looks healthy ish. I mean, obviously skinny and probably you know diets to an extreme measure to look that way, but. You know, she looks like a human. Mm-hmm. What was the other one? Chachki, Violet Chachki. Violet Chachki needs help. So once you get that that kind of shaping, I don't. Your organs have shifted. Yeah. So I don't know that there's anything you can do. It's like um, that neck elongating jewelry. Once you get to that certain stage, I don't think there's coming back. It would definitely. I think there would be a really rehabilitative process to come back from, especially the the, the neck thing, mm-hmm. because you're not making your spine longer, your neck longer. You're just putting gaps in between the vertebrae. Yeah, and yeah. so you, it, your your neck would probably flop over <laughs> something, and you just need to give it time to kind of like a fighting giraffe mend. Oh my god, <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> they should have a sport now. <laughs> <laughs> called fighting giraffes. All right, this is. Yeah. We We're just be, getting silly. I was gonna say we may be wandering into a territory some might consider offensive. Yeah, well, giraffes, you know, in Rocky Horror Picture Show, thin in the air, thin on the ground. Yes. Trim, trim all around. Really. <laughs> um. So anyway, um, nineteen seventy-five is when the Rocky Horror Picture Show came out. And also when Jaws came out. We've already done this year. Yeah, so I I was hesitant to add any more history because we already kind of touched on that. We did, but I think I found new facts. Ooh. New events. Go on. All right, so, uh, Timmy, did you find any events for uh, 1975 that you'd like to share? Uh, literally the first time I thought was Jaws, too. <laughs> <laughs> I think, wasn't 75? There's not a movie that came out in 75. It's all movies. I'm like, oh, this year movie came out this year, this year. And they're like, how do you know that? I'm like, I don't know. Hey, that's just who you are. And that's a good thing, man. You're on the right podcast. Indeed. No, the answer to your question, no. Okay. <laughs> All right, so I've got a couple more things. One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. That was a good one. Well, oh, that came out on in 75? Yep. Well, interesting. So, uh, in 75, Jack Nicholson won the Golden Globe for Chinatown. Mm-hmm. So he must have done Chinatown in 74 and then Cuckoo's Nest in uh, 75, which I have seen Chinatown. But I have not seen Cuckoo's Nest. <gasps> we'll have to watch Cuckoo's it because it's such a good movie. All right, all right. And book. Well, also the the prequel series that they're going with, The Ratchet, is is out now too. So is that, so, what, is that, is that a you said that's a TV series or that's a yeah? It's Ryan Murphy, the gentleman who did American Horror Story. Um, Ratchet is following the character of one of the nurses in One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Yeah, I'm familiar with that character. I just know of her. Mm-hmm. Nurse um, Ratchet. Yeah, so they made a, a TV series. What network is it on? Netflix. Netflix. It's Netflix. I'm really excited to watch it, um, but I'm prepared to be uncomfortable. Why is that? Because she's a very uncomfortable character. Oh, okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Thought maybe they'd made an interesting she's casting cold choice. As I <laughs> is that what that's from? No. Oh, okay. I was gonna say. <laughs> I just remember that from the Chappelle Show. <laughs> uh, different decade. <laughs> I remember it from SNL. What skit was that? Oh, yeah. Yeah, the, uh, Dana Carvey does a song um, called Trap and Broccoli. 
um, which is making fun of the She's As Cold As I song. Oh, okay. I don't I have not seen that. Yeah. Any golly way. Uh, so the other thing I have is that Muhammad Ali TKO's Chuck Wepner in 15 for the heavyweight boxing title. Oh. I don't know what any of those words mean. I know what a boxing title is. That means you've won at boxing. Yeah, but do they actually give you a title like this? Is Mister? Isn't it a belt? Mister Boxer Man, Mister Heavy Tim, Boxer. Yeah. You watch. It's, you watch wrestling. Is it the same as boxing? Yeah. <laughs> well, the, the the belts are like yeah, it's a very similar design. Oh. Um, right. He followed yeah, me. Like I meant the belt. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, so that's interesting. Anyway, uh, I know who Muhammad Ali is. Didn't he float like a butterfly and he would sting like a, a different colored butterfly? A bumblebee. That's the one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> the other thing with wings. Yeah. yeah the, the other winged insect. Yeah. One of those things. <laughs> All right. Well, that's interesting. Uh, so, uh, oh, actually, no, my, my page cut off. I do have more. Uh, so, <laughs> faked you out. So, Microsoft was founded as a partnership between Bill Gates and Paul Allen to develop and sell basic interpreters for the Altair 8800. And that was in 1975. I mean, come on. How cool is that? When did they invent the complex if that only was the basic? Now you're being silly. Okay. At a certain point, they did invent visual basic. Mm-hmm. And I actually learned on visual basic when I was in high school. So, so there you are. So ha- take that, you know. <laughs> what are you going to do with that? Uh, Nothing. And, <laughs> and on May 17th of this year, Mick Jagger punched a restaurant window and had to get 20 stitches. What did the window do to him? I don't know. It didn't expound on the story. <laughs> so I, I know no more details on that. So I, I will say that it's funny. Um, it, I'm assuming it was like a fast food restaurant or something like that. Could or have just, been. Yeah. Applebee's maybe. Yeah. <laughs> I could not see Mick Jagger at Applebee's, but now I want to make a little mental picture. Wouldn't that of be it. great? <laughs> But it's funny he wasn't at Ruby Tuesday. That's, that's uh, goodbye, Ruby yeah. Tuesday. Or it's a goodbye, or is it? Yeah, I know it's. I, I know the song. I can't remember. Um. Anyway, yeah. can you sing? Can you sing a bit, Timmy? Oh, you don't want that. Look, I keep getting. Tr- <laughs> I keep trying to get Allison to sing whenever she thinks of a song, and she will never do it. I feel like y- you need to try. Well, give it. A, give it a shot. I, I don't know that song. Best do that. Like, if you, if you want to do some Beastie Boys or some We Just, I, I got you. But intergalactic planetary. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Um, uh, all right, so that's all I have for 1975. If you want, we can move along straight into the next act, Act 4, in which we give a movie synopsis of Rocky Horror Picture Show, and then we talk about timestamps. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Let's do it then. So one of the things that I would like to say is that Zach and I watched the U.S. version mm. um, of the Rocky Horror Picture Show. The U.S. release did not have the very ending song of superheroes, but as far as I can tell, that is the only difference. I found that out today. What kind of drunk maniac? Why did they make two different versions and cut out a song? I don't know. Well, <laughs> That's yeah. so odd. Yeah. It's a musical and they're going to cut out the ending song? Well, the, the song doesn't have the same kind of fun impact that I would say the other songs have. Oh, have you listened to it? Oh, yeah. No, I, I know all about that song. And I know, you know, it. Rocky Horror Picture Show is definitely one of my guilty pleasure movies. And I'm guilty. Well, we'll get into right. it. It's uh, <laughs> but um, so I just wanted to make sure that if our um, listeners are following along, that is the version that uh, I, I assigned for us to, to watch 
Just because that is the one most likely people have seen if they've watched it on TV. Yes, indeed. At least mm-hmm. in this country. Yes. In our, the U.S. Our- of A., the great American outdoors. Come here. <laughs> Look at our national parks. I don't know what I'm doing. So, um, another. Nobody's allowed to come here. <laughs> <laughs> Did you know that the actress who played Columbia, Little Nell, or Nell Campbell, she worked in a shoe shop with Freddie Mercury? Did I know that? Yeah. Holy shit. No. And she was uh, awesome. discovered as a street performer and given um, a job in the stage production of the Rocky Horror Picture Show with Tim Curry. I didn't know that. Did you know mm-hmm. that Tim Curry got to meet Prince Charles and Princess Diana because she loved Tim Curry in the movie? And Curry recalls that Prince Charles only vaguely recognized him from seeing him on television. But Princess Diana told him with a wicked smile that Rocky Horror had quite completed my education. Wow. Now, I don't know what that means, but that's very interesting. It's one more reason why Diana was amazing and Charles sucks. <laughs> <laughs> Did you know that originally Frankenfurter was supposed to actually have a German accent, um, but O'Brien was like, no, no, no. It sounds much better if he tries to sound like the Queen of England. Yeah, he said he, he, he mashed up the Queen of England, Queen Elizabeth, and his mother's telephone voice. <laughs> I wonder if that's like customer service voice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a very kind of loud and overly enunciated voice like this. What's your problem, Rocky? <laughs> oh, Rocky. Um, okay, yeah. so the next trivia that I have is that Barry Botswick uh, pounds his fist on the table during the dinner scene and accidentally pounded on the hand of Susan Sarandon. Mm, poor Susan. And so her reaction is uh, is real. And she was very upset, but she got her revenge by, quote, accidentally stepping on Botswick's foot with her spike. Botswick's. Botswick's is what everyone (laughs) knew I meant. (laughs) Uh, With her uh, her spike heel during the floor show scene. And his reaction is also visible in the movie. And he was in pain. That is hilarious. I never (laughs) knew. Um, So originally the movie wanted to be like Wizard of Oz. And before we met Dr. Frankenfurter, the film was supposed to be in complete black and white. Ah. And it was only when we met the good doctor and the first bit of color we saw was supposed to be his lips Mm -hmm. um, that we were going to then be drenched in color. And it was supposed to be a metaphor for their life was very bland until they had this colorful element thrust upon them. Indeed. And actually, I believe in one special edition uh, DVD set, they included a cut that was similar to that. But it just went right into full color. Mm-hmm. And so fans said that it wasn't good enough, uh, that it should have been more like the original, how he had set it out in the script. But that is interesting. And I, I wonder why uh, they chose not to go that way. The uh, producers thought it was confusing. It was confusing. Mm-hmm. It wasn't apparent the true well, I mean, rationale. Wizard of Oz did it. Yeah, but she went from... Kansas to <laughs> a, a much more gay place. That, I wonder if that's where the, the expression friend of Dorothy comes from. Probably. <laughs> anyway, uh, Rocky Horror Picture Show was a commercial flop. Yeah. Um, and it wasn't until they were showing it at special nighttime showings at the New York Waverly Theater um, where they discovered that it was being played with callbacks and different um, things being thrown at the screen um, that it really kind of took off as a new thing. Yeah, it's interesting because that happened with uh, The Room also. <laughs> Tommy Wiseau. Yeah, and uh, Disaster Artist even. 
but yeah, these midnight screenings became popular in the mid 1970s, apparently. And my dad was one of those people. He said, I asked him because I watched it with him during the week. Mm-hmm. And he said that he must have spent money to see Rocky Horror Picture Show hundreds of times. Literally. Damn. Because he, he would go all the time with friends and they would sing along with the songs. They would go dressed up and like perform the dance moves and everything because my dad used to be a dancer. Mm. So he would go with his dancer friends and they would perform the show like at the front of the theater. And uh, it sounds like it was just a real hoot. Oh, yeah. The, the ghost casting um, that's going on while you're watching the movie. Precisely. Yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, in the similar vein, um, when you go to one of those live showings for the first time, um, usually you are forced to do something as a virgin viewer. And, and if it's your first uh, time at Fight Club, you have to fight. Exactly. Can't confirm. <laughs> um, and in a, in a very similar vein, Timmy, did you simulate a dirty act with a Twinkie? What? <laughs> I sure did. Uh, explain this. I don't know that I'm aware of this. You weren't there. <laughs> so, so they, because like, well, I mean, I, I wanted to participate, but I was also assist, assisted that I, I go up and be one of the, you know, the virgins because I had never been to one of the live shows like that. And, and uh, the first thing they do is they take a, a, a red lipstick and they draw a giant V on your forehead. <laughs> you signify as you're a virgin. Sure. Because you have to, you know, no one can tell just at a glance, usually. <laughs> Maybe. It's like, now we know for sure. Um, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but uh, from that point, uh, in my particular instance, um, they had myself and the group of people that I was up there with, hand us all Twinkies, and we're, we were told we had to fillet it. And fillet, did so, you? I would feel bad for uh, any of his boyfriends if that's how he did it. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, um, <laughs> I, uh... <laughs> He's just like, oh, Twinkie snack. Tom, Tom, Tom. So, uh, tell me this. When you were fellating, excuse me, while you were fellating, during the act of fellatio, uh, did, you, uh-huh. did you devour the Twinkie or did you leave it intact? Uh, I left it intact like you're supposed to. Good. Okay, no, that's, that's what I was hoping you would say. But I was, I was curious. I have a different um, memory of this thing. <laughs> Well, I think I'm, I'm pretty sure Allison had video of that at some point. Maybe might still do. Does that video still live? So that may have been on the phone before this. So it may have transferred over. Um, at the time, you did not want me to put that on the social medias. So I, I respected your wishes. And I have not put that anywhere public. As long as you've got some amount well, of... I just never even seen it. As, some, as long as you've got iCloud, it should still be on your phone. Yeah, I, I think it's... Um, I don't know that it was a video or if I got pictures, but I, I remember at the time y- you had mentioned it not wanting to see the light of day, but maybe that has changed. So I, I will look for it again. All right. Well, viewers or listeners, this is tantalizing. <laughs> we may see some interesting footage. It was definitely funny. The, uh, I believe one guy just like straight up just took the turkey and just put it in his pants. Um, <laughs> Yeah. Oh, the the one that threw the hissy fit that he wasn't selected as the best Frankenfurter. Were you selected, Timmy? He wasn't dressed up that day. Oh. He was in normie no, I wasn't clothes. Dressed up for that one. You were in oh normie clothes. Normie clothes. This was about two weeks a week. I think a week to two weeks prior to me doing the costume. Yeah. Oh, okay. So this was right before the Halloween party. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, how fun! Do we know of this any more research. of these events that are happening in the future? Uh. Once civilization puts itself back together. Yeah, I was like when, once um. The, the trauma of COVID is done. Um, 
I, I think they'll probably continue. There, There's usually live shows everywhere. I've wanted to go to the Waverly, where it originated, um, but I also hate New York. Uh, and that's because it's the city. I, I'm just not a city folk. Well, actually, yeah. And actually, this brought, brings up a memory of you saying something to me. Um, I asked you, before I had gone to England, what you thought of London. Mm-hmm. And you said it was very much the same as any other city. I think cities lose a little bit of identity. Um, so if you go to London or if you go to, um, Manhattan, um, the city of Manhattan, you go to DC, they all are, um, downtown Philadelphia, like they all kind of have that similar city feel to it. It wasn't until I went to other parts of the country that I got more of the flavor of the country. Yeah. I just think that's crazy because I, th- I mean, I got a very unique feel from being in London and I got, I mean, I get the same thing from being in, you know, New York city, DC, all these other things. Yeah. I, I just think that they, they blend themselves uh, a lot. And so, mm. well, certainly definitely if you're like just on a, a, a block, that's mm-hmm. all like office buildings, it's probably going to be very similar to any, any other place you'd be. Yeah. Like Rome was unique because they had all that, you know, very specific Rome architecture. So <laughs> the the kind of last bit of trivia that I have is recently Fox did a live TV musical version of Rocky Horror Picture Show, um, which I personally found to be horrible. I could not get through it. Um, but that made me really frustrated because I love Laverne Cox, who played Frankenfurter for it. Like, so she yeah. was the only reason why I would watch any part of that. Um, what's I felt the same way. When did this come out? It was a couple of years ago. That's so odd. It was around the same time. Yeah. Laverne Cox like went- yeah, really got uh, notoriety um, from her role in um, Orange is the New Black. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was kind of at the cap of that fame. So that's a woman? Well, uh, Laverne Cox um, is someone who has transitioned to a woman in real life. Oh, okay. Um, so... Uh, you know, it, it's still applicable. The role of Frankenfurter has never been traditionally needed to be male or female. It can be fluid. Well, I thought that the original stage production, it was still Tim Curry. So Tim Curry was doing the stage version, and then he went to the, the film version. So I thought it was just always him. Well, it usually, uh, well, I shouldn't say usually. So for the original release of the stage production and for the uh, film it was tim curry um however when people do other theater versions of rocky horror picture show or even the ghost cast Mm -hmm. it's always been very fluid Hmm. okay well i have uh, a couple more trivias Mm -hmm. Uh, so when dr everett v scott crashes through the wall for his entrance uh to the movie it's because the set builders forgot to build an extra door (laughs) so they just had him crash through the wall (laughs) oh Oh, I forgot one one bit of trivia. Yeah. Uh, um, Richard O'Brien, the gentleman who played Riff Raff, who also wrote the the play. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, he wrote it because he was between jobs at the time and he was bored, and he always just had a love of sci-fi and classic, uh, like fifties and forties horror. So he wrote it, and he quite liked it. So they ended up releasing the stage play as a very small theater production which could only hold a, a few dozen people um, at each showing. And then that really took off the, the play, hmm. um, which had O'Brien. Um, it had the original Magenta, Columbia. That's super cool. Yeah. I mean, I kind of, I guess it reads on screen that That's it was cool. written by someone who was bored. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> just let's just have everything happen. <laughs> Make it a little showy. Um, so the next thing I've got is that the set had no heat and had no bathrooms. Yep. When Susan Sarandon told the studio heads, they told her that she was complaining too much. And she caught pneumonia after filming the pool scene. And according to Richard O'Brien, she was shaking with fever and should have been under medical supervision, but she refused to stop working. She's a beast. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good for her. Like, I, <laughs> after being told you're complaining too much and you have pneumonia. Speaking of that kind of stuff, um, have you guys seen uh, the Curse Films uh, documentaries on Shudder? No. Uh, no. I don't have a Shudder subscription. You have mine. Well, I didn't want to abuse it. It's not abusing. Oh, but, okay. well. It's, it's not really like, I mean, like it, they're cool to watch, but like, it, yeah, it's like they, a lot of they talk about, like, talk, like, especially like the 70s and the early 80s of like filmmaking, how like it was kind of like the Wild West and like, like the, the weren't safety practices there are now. And that reminded me of that because like, yeah, like that kind of thing wouldn't happen now. Not by a long shot. Yeah. Oh, definitely not. But I mean, yeah, what a trooper. What a pro. You know, we were talking about in uh, Sleuth how uh, uh, Lawrence Olivier like cut his hand on some glass mm-hmm. and just kind of kept going. Yeah. He put a cloth on it and kept doing the scene. I mean, pro move for both of them. That's awesome. Good on you. Yeah. As the uh, Australian viewership would say. Uh, apparently Steve Martin auditioned for the role of Brad Majors. I am so glad that it was Barry Bostwick though. <laughs> Cause do you not like Steve Martin? No, I even, adore even him and love him so much, yeah. but yeah, there's this uptightness to Barry Bostwick that you don't think Steve Martin can pull off uptight. Steve Martin's uptight in the same way my dad is. Uh-huh. God, I have my dad just <laughs> to I'll send him a copy. Of the, I'll send him a copy of the episode. No, it, it, so I always make the joke that my dad is Steve Martin from um, Father of the Bride, mixed with Robert De Niro in Meet the Parents. Oh no, that is my f- <laughs> Meet the Parents. I can see. Mm-hmm. Uh, Father of the Bride. You I, haven't. Seen. I don't think I've seen that movie. That that's on our list. Maybe we should do a special wedding episode for that when I have my actual wedding for friends and family in March. I like it. So we got what a runaway bride, mm-hmm. father of the bride, mm-hmm. princess bride. Oh gosh, yeah. Uh, although I've seen Princess Bride. So we can watch Timmy, would you be shocked to hear that Zach has not seen Clue in its entirety? Yes and no. <laughs> like. Like, I feel like that should be right, but that album also kind of like... Mm. You forget that yeah, Zach like, is a baby. It's a baby. Yeah, like... I'm Minuten Bitter. How, <laughs> how, how old are you, Timmy? I decline, he's my age. I I am 33. Oh, you're younger than me. I thought you were my age. Yeah, 33, and I'm almost I'm 30. He's not that much older than me. Yeah. A baby? Come on. Yeah, but I'm 35. So. Still, that's not that's five years difference. Yeah, important five years. Fair for his age, that can grow a robust beard, and I cannot. So, if anybody's the baby in the looks department, <laughs> that'd be me. No, <laughs> well, you do hair. have a you have a nice baby face. You've got a face that doesn't age, which is good. It's a good thing to have. I'll use the trick people left and right. <laughs> <laughs> so, Timmy, something I should have asked you to do before we got started is before you revisited the film for the podcast, what would mm-hmm. you say your nostalgia rating for the Rocky Horror Picture Show would be out of ten? One being the worst, ten being the best. I'd say like an eight. Okay. So like ten. Cause like it's funny because when you're talking about how you first saw the Breakfast Club at a sleepover, right? Uh-huh. That's exactly the kind of same experience I had with with Rocky Horror. I, it was my one of my friends like I think it was his seventeenth birthday party. Yeah, seventeenth birthday party. We were hanging out at his house like in high school, and he and he one of my friends brought over a copy of 
Rocky Horror Picture Show, and like we watched like our darkest stuff, like just you know, doing what teenage boys do. We, we were you know obsessed with like you know Jackass, DKY at that time, doing slightly stupid things. And then we proceeded to watch like skateboard videos. Yes, I uh, see, see, that's what I'm saying. He's yeah. not that much older than me. That's exactly how I was spending my teenage years. CKY, Jackass. Yeah. Yeah. So I just imagine like, like, like you guys were taping each other while watching Rocky Horror Picture Show. It could have been the case. <laughs> <laughs> Dangerous <laughs> sexual acts. <laughs> well, it was like late in the night. Um, so I think I, we were pretty much right. So I think I was asleep right after it was over. But like right before that, we watched like cheating songs up in smoke. And like it was just like a cult film like night, apparently. Timmy, were you partaking of the pot? Were you smoking the pot? Oh, no. <laughs> That was no, so convincing. So convincing. Like, like, like we were the like we were the lamest bunch of like like you know skate like skateboard you know punk rock teenage kids like none of us touched that stuff and we didn't even start like I think we hadn't even really start, we hadn't even started like drinking yet at that point. You were just listening to some forty one in the basement and being cool. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You're describing my childhood. I loved it. Look, look at look at my seventies punk rock or my seventies like you know flowy hair that like me and Tip Town and other guys had at the same time. <laughs> so I never you know? had that. I did at one. <laughs> look how different we are. <laughs> for the longest time, I did rock a bowl cut for some reason. That was what my mom gave me when I was young, and it, I just so never... that's why. That's <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. what my mama gave me. That's what my mom. That's <laughs> what my mama gave me, and I just didn't want to cut it. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't really change my hairstyle until I think I was in like high school or something. And and you actually went to a barber or a haircuttery. And I was like, give me something from this century, please. <laughs> I'll take whatever's fashionable. I prefer not to look like Danny from The Shining. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, so I've got one more trivia and then we can move on to the movie. So uh, the last piece of trivia is that the green surgical gown that Dr. Frankenfurter wears has a pink triangle over the heart. Mm-hmm. And the triangle was used by Nazis in concentration camps to denote that the wearer was a gay man. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it pointed downward. So a pink triangle pointed upward is often used as a symbol of gay pride. That, huh. That's actually neat. I, did, I, I knew that there was the mark there. And because of my knowledge of World War II history, I assumed it had something to do with that. But Bad Allison did not look into it. Oh, I can't believe you. But I, I appreciate the, the kind of, I like anything that slaps the face of a Nazi. Sure. That's a good tidbit. That's a good gay pride, anti-Nazi tidbit. Mm-hmm. And you don't get many of those Love. in combination. So I have a, a thought. Uh, yes, expound. So after talking to you about your um, disapproval of classic rock, or not disapproval, I should not say. Disapproval. You just don't think it rocks harder than rock. It's, it's not as hard and, or as heavy as modern rock. <laughs> and I stand by that. But based on that... Um, and a couple of other factors. I was having trouble discerning what I thought your real rating will be after watching the film. And I think the more I thought about it, we may be in five out of 10 or six and a half out of 10 ballpark. So I think that your score may range in that. Okay. So I think it's very, I, you know, <laughs> this is really funny to me because <laughs> You did, because you saying that there is nothing but classic rock in this movie. Mm-hmm. I didn't actually identify it, it as rock as rock. No, nope. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even quantify it as rock. To me, it just sounded like a musical. It didn't sound like rock at all to me. 
And that just goes, it reinforces my theory. Old Rock, it just doesn't, it's not, it doesn't. Not even Sweet Transvestite? Come on now. <laughs> um, I, well, when we go back through it, we can, we, you can pick it out and make your case as to why each song should be rock. Mm-hmm. And I'll, okay. and maybe I'll, maybe I'll, I'll soften on some of these. But I, I <laughs> honestly, I didn't, uh, I didn't clock any of these songs as rock. So if you didn't clock it as rock, I'm clock it as rock is a fun thing to say. Yeah. Uh, I'm curious about your scores then. So I may be very off base. So I think personally, I think the value that you're going to have on it is strictly based on Tim Curry's performance because he is what I would think you would find an adorable kind of antagonist, like on a Cartman level. Um, we'll see. <laughs> Should I reveal that yet? No. Okay. No. I mean, I can. You want me to reveal? Timmy, I think that we should have a vote. Should I reveal my my feeling toward Dr. Frankenfurter? I, like, I'm interested, but, like, also, if, it, if, it, if it's, like, part of a bigger monologue later, I don't want to get a tip of that to wait for it. I don't know. It's not necessarily. It's just that we, we try not to reveal my feeling of the movie too much Until up front. the very end, yeah. Yeah, I kind of pepper my opinion throughout the movie, and then we talk about it and rate it at the end. But I still have to give my prediction right. ahead of the viewing of the clips because... Because um, you've already seen it. You're nostalgic for it. We already kind of know where you're coming from. So I have to try to think what Zach felt before uh, before he gives his rating or any indication of scenes that he wanted to expound upon or talk about. Because otherwise I might flavor my uh, my prediction inappropriately. Indeed. So... Um, mm-hmm. So what, yeah, if you had to predict, what what overall real rating do you think I would give this? I'll say a 5 out of 10. 5 out of 10. Timmy? I'll be a little more concerned. I'll go with a 6. 6 out of 10? Okay. Just for um, a barometer of where Zach's scores have fallen, his lowest score so far has been, well, I... It's hard to say because the first three we were doing uh, something out of 12. Mm-hmm. And now we reduced it to 10. Yeah. And I'm making a case. I feel like we should make it out of 100 because I, I realized how limiting our scoring system is. You can do a 0. 0.5. I mean, you can do a, a decimal place. I mean, that's essentially the same thing. Yeah. So and I, I still say a 5 or a 5.5 out of 10 is my prediction for how you felt about this one. Okay. So let's get this going. All right. Let's get into the movie. And again, we are doing the U.S. release version. Um. So the very opening, uh, it's actually more of a little bit of trivia. Uh, the very opening, the lips that you see are the lips of the actress who played Magenta. Oh, that, that's... I actually knew that one. That's a good tidbit. But just, I, I forgot one of my trivias. None of the actors got royalties from the DVD sales. Oh. And Susan Sarandon has talked out about that. She, she thinks that's horrible and wrong mm-hmm. and thinks that people should be hanged. She didn't say that part. But. <laughs> like, that doesn't sound like Susan Sarandon. She's usually very pro-peace and very... Not on this occasion. Humanitarian. She wants to go to war. I, I will also say that, personally, I love Susan Sarandon. I think she's the bee's knees. I saw her in a movie with uh, Nat Port. Natalie Portman? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I like that movie. Mm-hmm. I don't know that I've seen her in many other things. Oh, she was in, she was in an, uh, an episode of Pickle Rick. Of Rick and Morty. I was like, I was like, that's right. Yeah, she was the therapist. 
Also, originally, she uh, that Patricia Quinn, who played Magenta, was supposed to be singing the science fiction double feature, but the producers liked Riff Raff's voice for it more. So Patricia Quinn would sing it during the stage show. That's so weird. But uh, Riff Raff um, was singing it during um, the, the movie. So wait, you said this was the, the, the movie producer that made this decision? Yes. See, this is why movie producers... Just you're not you're not an artist. Oh, don't, they, don't weigh in on this. They also offered a bigger budget for the movie if O'Brien would cast like known celebrities. Right. Yeah. Of course. And a smaller budget if he went with fully only the stage performers. So he met them in the middle for a moderate budget mm-hmm. and uh, cast Sarandon and Bostwick because of their notoriety to get people in the seats. If movie producers were good at creating movies, they would. They don't. They're the money bag. Just stay over there and give us money. Let the creative people do what they do. Duncan 2020. <laughs> I love it. This reminds me <laughs> of uh, Moulin Rouge. Yeah, it does. <laughs> anyway, sorry. That was my little soapbox for a moment. Okay, so who's got the first timestamp? Uh, Allison, what's your first one? So I was just going to say that the opening song, um, this is actually one of my favorite songs in the entire film, is the opening song, uh, Science Fiction Double Feature. Now, um, I noticed that doing my timestamps for this movie was difficult because it's basically like, ooh, I like this song. Ooh, I like this song too. There's not as much dialogue to kind of dissect. Yeah. So um, just the, the opening song. Uh, my first timestamp stamp is at five minutes, 10 seconds. Timmy, what's your first one? Mine's the same. It's five minutes, 26 seconds. Mm. Okay, so we'll probably hit that. We'll probably hit both at the same time. So what I want you to look is at the Reverend and the groundskeepers. All right, Reverend That's and groundskeepers. Exactly what? Oh, yeah, because one of them was uh, Tim Curry. Well, and the other two are Riff Raff and Magenta. Ah, okay. Well, I, I mean, I, I noticed it on the first viewing, but that's because I, I knew who Tim Curry was. Um, so it's the wedding scene. Everyone's like clapping and cheering for Betty Monroe and her husband. Same the grandparents. Yes, all the close family. And they look very much like that that painting of the the farmers. I think yeah. it's called American Splendor. <laughs> yeah, I don't remember what it was called, but it, it does look a lot like that. I think they were going for that look. Yeah. So my next clip is at um, five fifty, which we may hit with if we just keep playing because Timmy's clip. But um, oh yeah, Timmy, what did you have something you wanted to uh, add to this? Oh no! I was just like, I, I, that's exactly why I picked that clip because it's like, it's kind of like, I think it's probably like one of those like throwbacks, <laughs> like within like like to the stage play of how stage plays typically have different characters portray different color or different actors play different 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 characters because they have a small cast. Yeah, it's kind of like a, it's probably a throwback to that. Like, oh, that's interesting. How you see them? As, yeah, 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 that's a good observation. There's meaning, like, so, like that's probably why. Well, that's probably like a little nod to that. I'm guessing. Yeah, yeah very I thought cool. that was really cool. Well, because didn't uh, isn't the, the 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 writer of the play and or the movie wasn't he all about uh, old horror and sci-fi and he was just trying to get in as many references as possible. So I I, I would bet that was a very conscious decision. Yeah. Uh, so uh, O'Brien, who is also the character Riff Raff, he's the uh, one who wrote and. Did he direct this one? I believe so, but I will. It was directed by Jim uh, Sharman. It was written by O'Brien. Oh, okay. All right, so we are now at 5.50. Mm-hmm. This is uh, someone's next. 
that was me. Uh, I just wanted to point out, this is the first time that we really see the douchiness of Bostwick. <laughs> All right, Bostwick away. Well, I guess we really did it, huh? I don't think there's any doubt about that. You and Benny have been almost inseparable since you met in Dr. Scott's refresher course. Well, to tell you the truth, Brad, that was the only reason I showed up in the first place. <laughs> I mean... Okay, you guys, this is it! So, um, one thing I'll also mention is that all the wedding guests are also in the scene for sweet... Or, I'm sorry, uh, Time Warp. Uh, they're all the party goers at the mansion. Oh, okay. Uh-huh. Um, to, like yeah, I'm trying to find one that I recognize. Well, the the most the, identifiable. Uh, oh, also, the, I didn't understand what it said on the car. It says, "Wait till tonight." She got hers. Now he'll get his. I didn't understand that until I was an adult. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. I thought you were gonna say you yeah. still didn't understand. <laughs> no, I understand it now. Yeah. <laughs> They're talking I, about I, intercourse. I, I, intercourse. Intercourse. Well, now, what is that? Sexual relations. Oh, okay. I got gotcha. you. Wait for marriage. That's marriage. what. Yeah, that's what marriage. happens. That's what happens after marriage, right? And then never again. Yep. That's what. That's what I hear, at least. Allison's giving me some kind of look. I can't interpret it's, appropriately. I don't know how to answer that question as a newly married lady. <laughs> oh, you don't want to own up? All right, ask. I'll ask no questions. So She's my, in that demographic now. <laughs> so uh, my next uh, timestamp is at nine three nine. Um, did this coffin seem oddly like sized to anyone else? I'll tell you once we get there. Uh, what's your next timestamp, Timmy? Oh, mine's not till like 19 minutes in. Okay, good. All right, so you said it was 9 what? 39. 9.39. When Columbia, Magenta, and Riff Raff bring in a coffin for some reason. I guess after the wedding, there's a funeral. All right, doing a bit of singing here. All right. It looks like a child's coffin. Yes, that's that's <laughs> definitely a child's coffin. <laughs> that, that was all. I was just like, it doesn't seem correctly sized. Oh, no, it's correctly sized for the little child inside of it. Which, how depressing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I would say that's probably a toddler. Oh. Yeah, nine, ten, maybe. I, I no, re- no, seven. I regret that I've seen all right, what's your next one, Allison? 1356. 1356. So this is my second favorite song of the the movie um, over at the Frankenstein place. But this is where I had mm. my note about the wet clothes and taking the toll on the health of Bostwick and Sarandon. Because you can actually see the heat kind of radiating off of them, like like the, the steam, because they're so cold. Oh. <laughs> He's amused about something. Ah, oh, dang it, a flat tire. I knew I should have put air in it. Doesn't he so, say Yeah, I knew I should have gotten that spear taken yeah. care of. Damn it. <laughs> I like the lightning. The lightning looks super fake, but I think that's good. <laughs> it's good camp. Yeah, it's good camp. Stock lightning. <laughs> Yeah. They must from the scene, scene too. Like, like the the uh, even looked like the, the do not enter sign was like bedazzled almost, like yeah, yeah, yeah. not typical road sign. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's great. If the roads closed, then where did all the motorcyclists come from? They came yeah. from 
space. Well, yeah, that, that was uh, Sarandon's line. There's a guiding star. So, so while I was watching this movie, my dad was singing all the songs. Aww. I love your dad so much more. <laughs> like, I already liked your dad a lot, but now I love your dad. Yeah. It was at this point that Mark walked in, saw the dog kind of like covering his nose, mostly to get warm, but he's like, I feel the same way about watching this movie. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so are we just enjoying the song now? Or? Yeah, it, which I realized that could get us into trouble, so I will... Let's let's just talk over it a lot, so there's okay. no question that we're commentating on this song, yep. not just enjoying it. Oh, it's just, I just love this song. So uh, part of it is because of the riffraff part of it that's about to happen. I love O'Brien's voice. Um, so who is your favorite singer in this movie? It's a toss-up between O'Brien and Curry, but I love this song part. Like, how he... All right, so now we're just seeing a little riffraff in a window. Mm-hmm. Not, not, not creeping at all. So would you... Is this rock? Is this I, classic rock? I think it has a rock feel to it. Timmy? I think it does, but yeah, it's not... It's not particularly like bombastic, but I feel like it's kind of got like that kind of ballad feel to it. Yeah, it's, and definitely it's the meatloaf scenes are rock. We'll see. Uh, <laughs> so I will say um, that I do have an enjoyment of that kind, like Rush, uh, the lead singer of Rush, Riff Raff, and um, like the lead singer of Coheed and Cambria, kind of have a higher tone voice, and I I like that sound. Coheed and Cambria has got a very kind of, I don't know, what is that, 80s sound? Kind of, yeah, it's kind of I like, think like Rush. Even like 70s prog, like 70s proggy stuff, yeah, like, mm, okay. like probably like, yes. So my next minute is at uh, 1734, because I feel like it's my job to introduce every squeaking, creaking door in all of our horror movies. I like, I like that that's your job. <laughs> well, I did the last movie, so now I know. I'm just well, gonna... <laughs> but I don't know how we can top the creaky door from the last movie. From this, this one's of... pretty good. <laughs> you think this is going to be a better creak than from A Tale of Two Sisters? It's a good creak. I didn't say a better creak. Right, let's see. Or crick <laughs> if you're from Maryland. Uh, what? <laughs> how dare you? Can't confirm. <laughs> oh, it just, I mean, I don't know if we heard it. Oh, I didn't <laughs> even take it in. Hang on. Let me, let me go back and do that again. All right, here's the door creak. Everyone get ready. Prepare your creaking detector. Solid creak. Yeah. That's a solid creak. <laughs> We're going to have to add a creak rating. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I think I would I would still rate uh, Tale of Two Sisters Creek oh, that, higher than that. that. They really just let you savor the creak. <laughs> yeah, they did. They did. It was a hell of a creak. Um, and I was going to say just like how uncomfortable Brad is in the scene. <laughs> I always found the, his uncomfortableness very amusing. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's like, poor Brad with his uncomfortable approach was my dad. <laughs> What's the patch on his uh, on his jacket there? Can you see? Uh, it looks like a volunteer like fire brigade patch. Brad, Brad's so uncomfortable you can almost see the stick up his ass. <laughs> <laughs> uh, to quote Gamora, who put the stick up his butt? That seems cruel. That seems cruel. <laughs> uh, so I, it was probably explained by the the fella 
the narrator guy, the crime, the crimeologist mm-hmm. fella. Uh, are they in England or are they are they supposed to have started the movie in England where they were getting married? Because these are two American men. I mean, uh, well, they, they didn't say at all that this was in England. They, they let the country of origin kind of be to our own uh, surmising. I like it. That's good. Good for them. Mm-hmm. Well or, done. Much like seven did later. What was that? They must like seven did later because seven was purposely like didn't say where it was be to be as it could be anywhere. But it definitely felt like New York. Yeah, it, fe- it felt well, it was it or felt Chicago American. Yeah, yeah. Actually, I'm doing an Italian hand right now while I say it's American. Um, <laughs> it's a good. With seven, though, that that big expanse of field stretch, like I feel like they were very close by to that for it to be. It was Iowa. They come from Iowa. Mm. You won't get that reference until we watch the music, man. Uh, oh, OK. I didn't even know it was a reference. Yep. Thought you were just being weird. All right. <laughs> Let's continue. When in doubt, it's usually Allison <laughs> just being weird. So my next one is at 1910. What about you, Timmy? Uh, I was thinking 1930, just basically right at the beginning of Time Warp. Okay. So we may be at the same thing. It was just my uh, 1910. If you're looking at the top of the banister, you just see Magenta hanging out up there. How long was she just hanging out on the handrail waiting for someone to walk by to interject something? That's what she lives for. That's what she's paid for. That's what she's paid for to just sit on a handrail? Yeah, to slide in and introduce people to the house. Because look, she's just up there. And I never noticed it before. <laughs> it just... I don't know if I noticed her standing there. You got to wonder how many like cues she missed initially. <laughs> she was punished <Fine>. severely. <laughs> He's lucky. I'm lucky. We're all lucky. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I do realize something. Yes. I have magenta hair. That is my hair, and it's natural status. Is if I take it out of the ponytail. So you have Hermione hair. Yeah. It's the. I mean, I'm wearing the headphones. <laughs> oh, so apparently that skeleton is real. Oh, gross. That is, I think it was a woman's skeleton, and she was buried. Yeah, it's pretty Hermione. <laughs> uh, Allison just uh, took her hair out of all hair. of its. Yeah, she loosed it. Uh, so anyway, uh, the skeleton I think is a woman's skeleton and i think she made the clock or she had it commissioned or something i forgot this was in the long long the the list of trivia for this movie was almost as long as jaws that's because of the big cult followings yeah the films so there was some bit about this i i the thing that i remember clearly is that it's a real skeleton i think it's a woman's skeleton and it's a clock coffin Hmm. it's a cloffin cloffin you made an allison (laughs) joke (laughs) Um, all right, so you sorry, so you said uh, to me that your next timestamp was uh, nineteen what thirty because it's right at the beginning when the time going to the time warp. Ah, okay, all right, I'm gonna play that now, Madness which is like yeah, of course, like the coffin. But listen closely. So this was supposed to be the lady singing. No, uh, science fiction double feature. That was the one. Okay. Yeah. Control. <laughs> does have good vocal chops so what did you want to highlight here to me oh i just don't know like i mean i think like it's like well i think this is the part for me where like the whole like outside of classics of the song this whole like going through the house like before, before they get into like the whole like they, they get into the next part where they get in the room with all the transylvanians like you get like the real like old school like adam's family and like 
it's esque also kind of like you know haunted houses where like a lot of like the like a lot of the, the real horror elements are, are, are kind of like are there and then it goes more sci-fi after this mm-hmm. so I, i'll say that i knew this this was the only song that i think that i had heard before uh watching the movie so somehow this song was the public's favorite song and was exported into different mm. either movies or whatever but somehow i've heard this song so my next time clip is uh 2341 what about you timmy uh, 2430, so. So, 2341 is just, again, Bostwick being so uncomfortable. Oh, speaking of that, like, the one thing, it's just, like, just during the time where there's where there backing up slowly towards the door, it's just hysterical. Oh, yeah, I, I think that's going to correlate, too. Okay, so what is your favorite song in the movie? And, well, I, I don't even know, maybe we should rate all the songs, but that's too much effort. Do you like the Time Warp song? Is that a good song to you? I think it's the most known song. Yeah, why do you think that is? Because it has a dance. It's like um, the um, um, Michael Scorn. Michael Scarn? D- doing the Scarn. <laughs> so, Can you do the Scarn? Do you remember the moves? Shake that hand. Shake that hand. <laughs> Tie some yarn. That's how you do the Scarn. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Um, office reference, but <laughs> so I think that any, that this has a very danceable monster mash kind of quality. So I think it, um, that's why it's so popular. Now, my favorite song, uh, is science fiction double feature at the very beginning. Uh, we skipped by that. You didn't want to groove to your favorite song. Well, I tried to mention it, but then we kind of didn't watch it and kept going because I was talking about the, the lips part and then we just kind of. Went for it. I, I didn't... Spe- I thought someone had called that. If I had known you wanted to keep watching it, I would have. Oh, it's okay. A lot of this is yes-anding. Yeah, but you don't have to do that. You can you, you can yes-no me. Yes, uh, no. By no means. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, what about you, Timmy? What's your favorite song? Oh, Sweet Friends, Best Side, Hands Down. Mm. I think that may be mine, too. I don't remember all of them. but Which I- is like, it, it gives to him, Frank Fur is just epic, and like it's like catchy... And he, like, he's just, he, he, he just makes you shiver with Antissa. Patient. <laughs> Patient. Yeah, you, you got away a little. <laughs> but yeah, like, like he shows up on a scene, you're like, there's my favorite character right there. Like, you know, like, you're going to love this character going forward. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think. He, he's a dick. You're gonna love I think I agree with you on that one. Yeah. And uh, do we think he's a dick, Frankenfurter? He's a, he's a. I mean, he's very self serving I mean, he's a rapist. Now, I don't well, think yeah. anyone's a complete dick. <laughs> <laughs> what was that from? What was that from? Guardians of the God, Galaxy. I just watched that. I just watched that. <laughs> no, it's, I don't think anyone's a complete asshole. <laughs> <laughs> uh, now, ma'am, I don't think anyone's a complete asshole. <laughs> um, yeah, so Frankenfurter's a bit of a rapist, but does that make him a bad guy? Yes. Oh, okay. If, if you have to yeah. say rapist. <laughs> he's a double rapist in this movie. I think he's a great antagonist. Yeah, he's a double rapist in this yeah. movie. And he antagoni- He certainly antagonizes poor Riff Raff. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But uh, your, 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 your assumption that I would find him adorable is totally correct. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I, I know you well enough now to know that you like the most, like, narcissistic characters. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, well, it's not because they're narcissistic. He's look, 
it's just, just he enjoys himself so much. He just enjoys what he's doing. <laughs> he's just having a good time. Sure, he throws in a couple rapes, <laughs> but you know, sometimes that's you just you know, sometimes. Yeah, please, please continue to dig yourself in this hole. I'm very... I love to see how he's going to defend this. So right now, I think he also may be a little high on candy corn. He's currently, like, tearing them up in little pieces on the desk. I'm waiting for him to get, like, a credit card and a straw out. Like, the way he's They're like, so addictive. They're so addictive. Maybe he's prepared me for that. <laughs> so uh, I could attribute some of what I just said to being high on candy corn. Mm-hmm. So I will. <laughs> So, um, but no, I stand by that he's adorable. Yeah, he's a lovable rapist. Look, it Do you it, have to- <laughs> it does no good to try to candy corn coat it. He is a, oh, wow. he's adorable. He's he's a lovely man in this in this movie. He also rapes a couple people. He, can't get around he, that. he misled them, but they discovered who he was before the. They said yes eventually. Yeah, after I mean- after he flung their legs in the air and say said no. <laughs> My favorite is Brad's though, because the way no like, this, like this. Brad Brad looked like he was on a gynecology table. Like his legs were just I like when the leader <laughs> on the video camera and he was smoking a cigarette. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, that tickled me. The best part was like I think I think Brad's streak was higher than higher than Janet <laughs> when we got flung in flung like that. Yeah. I think the best part of it was so funny. So my my quote when he when he uh, initially was uh, attempting to rape Susan Sarandon's character. He wasn't attempting to rape. He was just... Forcibly wooing her, if you'd like. Yeah. I mean, it just... Eventually, she does consent. Yeah. After saying no, and I don't want to do this, and stop it, and all these other things. Yeah, but as women, we're expected to just, like... Oh, I don't I, know. I, I'm... I, I now, am now saying... Now Allison's getting... <laughs> no, I, I am very... Very strongly anti-rape. Um, I am very strongly of the opinion that no means no, um, and um, it especially when it's said in a very serious way, which Susan Sarandon did. Yeah, it, it and absolutely in real life, not in a musical comedy. You know, I would insist that no meant no, and he should have respected that. Yes. I don't have a butt. Oh, okay. <laughs> I just, I just wanted to clarify that I agree that in this instance, it's kind of like a uh, trying to think of the correct way to word it. It's kind of like they, they made light of the situation. Yeah. In the film. And I'd love to say that I, I thought he was adorable despite the rape, mm-hmm. but the rape scenes were the funniest. <laughs> it's just, just the weirdest thing to say. It's a really insane thing to say, and I apologize for everyone listening. And why did he just have a Barry Bostwick and Susan Sarandon wig? <laughs> <laughs> That's true. He came yeah. in dressed as both of them. They bought it until he was already straddling them. Yeah. And then he got the wig taken off. Oh, my God. It's and how did such he, a funny and scene. And how is he such a good ventriloquist? <laughs> Anyway, so oh, uh, it so. Place for of <laughs> so twenty three forty one. Twenty three forty one. Mm-hmm. I think we were all queued up. We were just getting there. Just again, how douchey is Barry Bostwick? Oh yeah. Say something. Say. Say. Do any of you guys know how to Madison? <laughs> 
I thought that it it was that that was all I had for that but that really we we can keep it playing because it's about to lead into Timmy's and my um, favorite entrance I'm sure so uh, the uh it's kind of like he's uncomfortable but he's also being very American oh he he wants so badly to fit in with the cool kids like look at those shoes like just (laughs) I when I saw those shoes I felt sure we were about to see Tim Curry (laughs) they're Tim Curry shoes (laughs) Folk dancing. Folk dancing. Look, I'm cold, I'm wet, and I'm just plain scared. I'm here. There's nothing to worry about. <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing to worry about. How'd you do, I? Look at this, like, See glossy you met, lips. Mom. And Faithful. Hand in hand. Hand in hand. He's just a little broad dime, because when you knocked, he thought you were the candy man. Oh, I love that song. By the way, I look. I will say when he removes his cape, oh, his legs, his legs are so shapely. Oh, let me let me take another gander at his legs. They're gorgeous. I would kill for those. See legs. the legs in the poster. I thought were a little sinuous. No, oh, he he has yeah. shapely. Yeah, good 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 legs. High quality legs. Great voice. And he's got good moves. Let me show you a rhyme. Maybe play you a sign. But I do wish they had done a better job of trying to match his concealer with his actual complexion. Do you not think that was intentional? It was. I think it was very supposed to be theatrical. Yeah, that's what I had thought. I was just thinking of like if a drag queen or someone was redoing this role, Mm -hmm. they would probably blend it a little bit better. So a note on his corset. It does seem very loose. Yeah. Um, it, well, loose. And I think his corset was too small for him. Um, and so that's why there's so much gapping. Ah, uh, okay. So you think it was still very tight on him? Oh, yeah. It's absolutely tight. Like, look, you can see, like, on the folds of his arms where it connects with the corset, mm-hmm. kind of um, a skin fold that yeah. like when you wear too tight jeans you know how yeah, yeah. if you have a tummy they'll it, it's looser on the bottom so you don't get that in the bottom but also i recognize the fact that if he's singing this way he needs to be able to get the air in to sing and project stay for the night maybe a bite I could show him my favorite obsession no obsession i've been making a man Blonde hair and a tan. I don't know. It was. It was. It's what I thought about Tim Curry's performance, or his the, the character Frankenfurter, mm-hmm. was more than adorable. I thought like he, like I, I just felt for him. Like you know, he just he wanted. It's so hard to have a good time. Even smiling <laughs> makes his face sick. <laughs> uh, so I will also say that um, Curry later said that he would have trouble after doing Frankenfurter so many days on stage and then in the film mm-hmm. um just kind of coming out of that narcissistic character oh really yeah just because he had to do it so many times and it requires so much confidence he said anticipation <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> so um apparently there were so many uh, avid fans of this uh and aggressive fans he had a lot of bad experiences after the movie came out. Mm-hmm. So he said that he got pudgy and plain looking so that he could avoid fanfare. 
Oh, really? Yeah. Um, he actually released on his um, social media page on Facebook recently uh, a quote about that, and I'll pull that up. So this is your favorite song, right? Oh, mine, yeah. So what, what, what's your thought on, uh, on Frankenfurter? Do you think he's as adorable as I think he is and just lovable? I think he's lovable. That's the thing. Yeah, that's the thing. It's just like, I think the same thing. I think it's, I think it's one of his characters just like, you know, you probably shouldn't like him, but you do anyway. Yeah. Like, yeah. like he's just, he, he, he radiates like, he radiates this like aura about him that you just can't ignore. Like That's exactly the, the, the rape scenes. That's like this movie, what what his character did to us. We shouldn't like him, but mm-hmm. we do. He wins us over. Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're, we're in that bed and he's throwing, he's thrusting our legs up. <laughs> so he said, uh, I'm proud of the character of Frankenfurter. I have no intention of disowning it. There's no point in saying I'm not the Fonz. Uh, and I did it for so long. At the beginning, it was just another play. The fifth I was doing at that theater, I just clicked and went on and took so long to surface as the film. Now it's a minor religion. I don't think you can worry too much about how the public sees you. Um, that wasn't. There was another quote that he said that was about kind of notoriety, and I thought that was the one that I saw. But um, anyway, just he, he's a treasure. He certainly is. Oh, absolutely. So my next clip is actually a little ahead of Timmy's. It's at uh, 2818 where we're seeing Columbia. And I just love that her unnecessarily, like, kind of snippiness. It's all right, Janet. We'll play along for now. So they're taking off their clothes. The, the, the people of the, the house are taking off the, uh, the Americans' clothes. Slowly, slowly. It's too nice a job to rush. <laughs> Hi, my name is Brad Major. And this is my field. Brad's trying to play things off. Like he's comfortable. Uh, you are... Uh... You're very lucky to be invited up to Frank's laboratory. Some people would give their right arm for the privilege. People like you, maybe. You, maybe. I've, I've seen, seen it. it. <laughs> <laughs> I just like Tarleton. <laughs> and then 3016, um, I just really love how condescending he was. Go and assist Riff Raff. I will entertain... There's the triangle. <laughs> Brad Majors. This is my fiance, <laughs> Janet Weiss. Weiss. <laughs> Janet Weiss. <laughs> Weiss. Enchanté. Well, nice. And what charming underclothes you both have. But here... Put these on. They'll make you feel less so. Yeah, about thirty thirty when he like looks straight in the camera too. Is that often we receive visitors here, let alone offer them hospitality. Hospitality. All we wanted to do was to use your telephone. God damn it! A reasonable request. <laughs> All of a sudden, he snapped. Don't be ungrateful. Ungrateful. See, look at his eyes. Well, you are Brad. <laughs> just <laughs> perfect specimen of man. <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> and when he's getting all upset behind, uh, Tim Curry is just standing there, and like his eyes go down. Like I'm disappointed in how you're behaving. Mm-hmm. Just, just everything about his performance, I just find lovable. So dominant. <laughs> you must be awfully proud of him, Janet. <laughs> Well, yes, I am. <laughs> Do you have any tattoos? Certainly <laughs> not. Oh, well. How about you? Everything 
Everything is in readiness, Mark. You look at the back background, you'll, you'll see a little preview of 2020 and, and then wearing masks. No, oh, yeah. <laughs> he just has such a, a great feminine aura about just everything he does with his face and his hands and everything. It's perfect. He is uh, the perfect blend of softness and strength. Indeed. <laughs> and paradise. So is it just me, or is Rocky not really attractive? Rocky has a rockin' bud, and yeah. that's what's important. I like to look someone in the face. You can if you want, but that's not where the, the magic's happening. What about you, Timmy? Yeah, like, I don't know, Rocky's like, sort of the bicycle, but I don't see him, like, right now. Yeah, it's... Like, a, a, I, I would choose Frankenfurter over Rocky any day of the week. Oh, 100%. Well, I don't know. If I were looking for a... Uh, cuddle. A, a cuddle companion. <laughs> come on. Rocky's, you know, if it's a cuddle companion, you, you just... Those big, strong arms. Rocks so, Rocky, so named for the well, rocks in his head. <laughs> <laughs> are, is, are you cuddling, expecting uh, interesting conversation? To me, a good partner is someone who can stimulate your brain as well as other things. And so in that regard, Frankenfurter would be better. Well, yeah, Frankenfurter could woo you off your feet, but... And he would. And he would, <laughs> whether or not you liked it. Do we think that Frankenfurter has any uh, venereal diseases or... Of course uh, he does. ...sexually transmitted? Yes. Oh, All, there's no doubt about that. Yeah. Each one of them. He's yeah. got names for them. <laughs> this is Francis. <laughs> like Pokemon. This is itchy. This is scratchy. Exactly. <laughs> this is Bernie. This is Bernie. Ooh, Bernie's flying up. Yes, he definitely does. Uh, but I'm I'm stuck on this. So you think, just in terms of looks, mm-hmm. you'd go for Frankenfurter, hundred percent, over Rocky Balboa. Well, Rocky Balboa. Well, one. Have you seen Stallone's porn? What? Oh yeah, Stallone was in a porn. Was he really? <laughs> yeah. Are you serious? Yes. This is true. How is this not bigger news? It it was. I just don't think anyone cares about Stallone as much as they used to. Come on. This is still big news. Um. Anyway. All, so, all over BuzzFeed, this should be. So, so Balboa um, or Rocky, the actor in this film. Rocky Horror. <laughs> Rocky Horror. Um, yeah, I just, he doesn't do it for me. Stop looking at his face so much. His hair is ridiculous. Now, to, I will say the most perfect specimen of body is Alexander Skarsgård. Now that... Bodies, he's up there. But Chris Hemsworth, I think, outdoes him. Hemsworth is good. But have you seen Naked Eric Northman? Of course I have. I've seen all through True Blood. And it's a great body. Great male body. Just amazing. This quite, is the kind of conversation that I can really get behind. <laughs> he's quite, we have not talked about a boob this entire day. <laughs> he is quite a specimen of a man. Yeah. But Chris Hemsworth is the same body type, mm-hmm. but he's, he's he's just a little bit more jacked. So he's he's not completely like bulging everywhere. So he's still got a very lean fitness about him, mm-hmm. but he's he's just got a little bit more where it counts. Thoughts, Timmy? I like the lean muscle of... Uh... Scarsgard. Hemsworth, man. I love some Hemsworth. Yeah, yeah. Two for Hemsworth. I'm sorry. Hemsworth has to win this round of who's got the better bod. Yeah, I mean, it's his personality, man. Like, I've seen, like, it's, it's like him, like, you know, like, like, get things, like, on, like, or, like, posts other things, like, on Facebook, stuff like that. Or, like, you know, he's, he's, he's charming. Like, yeah. He's I love like, his So, if we're spurs. going based on charm, not body, um, Chris Pratt. Uh, 
Chris Why Pratt also has, has a good body and and has charm and he's also yeah. very tall. And I bet he is a good spooner. He looks like he has that good spooning quality to you him. Think so? You know, I was I was rewatching Guardians mm-hmm. um, a couple days ago, and he has got uh, Pratt has got the perfect kind of Han Solo face and personality. I think he he would be. He should have been in Solo. I think he should have played Han Solo. Did he go for that? No. But I think he, I don't know any other actor that has the perfect blend of like snark and strength, like masculinity. And he just has that kind of physical look. Sarcasm. But he's also, yeah. And he's, he's just got the, I think he would, he's the only person that could fill Harrison Ford's shoes. I think. Hmm. Hmm. Just my opinion. I just had that as a thought. But I will say that um, Glover did a fantastic job as um, Lando. He definitely pulled off the personality and just the, the mannerisms but, and the way to hold yourself and everything. Oh, ch- yeah. my favorite parts were the parts he was on screen. Although oh, I do he, have... He stole that movie. I do have trouble separating him from his roles in Derek comedy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, back in the day. Yeah. Thanks for nothing, Bellany. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Bellany. She got it rough in that skit. <laughs> I was in that room. And I could not have filmed it in that room because it didn't smell like Todd fuck. <laughs> Sorry, a lot this of... This is very specific. Yeah, yeah, I was about to say. It, so if you look up Derek Comedy, uh, there's a specific video that's dealing with a cheating girlfriend skit. And um, this he, was back in the day, like the early days of YouTube. So skits. Yeah, both him and I forget the guy's name. He was also on SNL for a while. Got their their start in uh, Derek Comedy. He was. Um, Are you familiar with these, Timmy? I think I remember them. Like I'm trying to doubt. I'm, I'm like going to roll decks in my head right now, seeing like I remember that exactly. Yeah, Bobby Moynihan and and uh, Glover both got their start on Derek Comedy, which was like a film comedy group that yeah. got popular when YouTube was in its baby stages and like E Bombs World timeframe. Right. I think E Bombs World is still a thing. Oh gosh, is it? I Does it just give you viruses? Probably. I haven't been to it in a long time, but I've still I've heard people reference it recently. But those games, though. <laughs> uh. Anyway, uh, oh gosh, someone sent me a link once to E-Bomb's World, and it was like this cute little seal cartoon, and it was just like whispering very softly like, I love you, I mm-hmm. love you. And then you have to turn up your volume really loud, and then it's like, analporn.com. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that is exactly the type all of thing. All anal, all the time. <laughs> <laughs> yep, that's exactly what E-Bomb's World is like. <laughs> Or was. I don't know if it's cleaned up its act. I'm, I'm not sure. Okay. So your next time stamp, Timmy. <laughs> yes. On that bombshell, let's go to the next thing that's just as exciting. Uh, I'm at 3515. That's mine. Okay. We're queuing it up. All right. All right. Playing. He's playing with the yeah. color paint. So apparently uh, when he was, he was doing these color paints right here, it looks like he's doing them randomly, but actually he had somebody off camera shouting to him which color to do. So it so looks it's, more... So it was a very specific order, apparently. I don't know why, but he looks confused there because he's trying to... Uh, they, they shouted something out, and he was trying to find which color was which because the lights keep going mm-hmm. out. Yeah, like, this is the weirdest Frankenstein monster-like creation I've ever seen. Like, what are these <laughs> chemicals doing? Uh, you can see boxes. Yeah. I, I just think it was meant to be super colorful. This whole yeah. campy movie is super colorful. Mm-hmm. Turn up the oscillator three more 
fine. <laughs> yeah, then all of a sudden there's just no water in that tank. Mm. I know, yeah. I, I, was there supposed to be? Well, there was water at the start yeah. when he was kind of suspended. Oh, okay. And then once he reanimated, the water's somehow just gone. Yeah, because later in the movie it shows into the, the tub and the colors are still on the side, but the, the, water's, yeah. the water's not there. So my next is at um, minute 39, um, no seconds. Uh, do you have anything before that, Timmy? Uh, no. So I just love how annoyed Frankenfurter gets at this scene. So just like Columbia, he's all right. <laughs> Just, he gets so mad. <laughs> okay. <laughs> a triumph of your will. Yes. He's okay. So apparently that was a reference to Nazi propaganda, triumph of your will. Oh. Uh, there was a thing, uh, Nazi propaganda, called triumph of the will. Okay. And so this was another kind of reference to uh, Nazism. And, and this guy is blonde and blue-eyed and, and everything like that. You and I are going to have to watch um, Cabaret at some point. Just generic cabaret or the the movie, movie cabaret, cabaret with Liza about Nazis. Oh, okay. Yes. Is that on our list to watch for the podcast or is that just an independent thing? No, that for the podcast. Because right. I think it's an important film. Okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> I think we can do better than that. <laughs> oh, look at him. He doesn't know what to do. Look at the bod. No, That's lean yeah, muscle right there. Yeah, but what do you? He has a butter face. Yeah, don't look at the well, face. <laughs> I don't like men with too many muscles. I didn't make him for you. <laughs> <laughs> I love that line so much. Yeah, that made me laugh the first time I saw it. I didn't make him he, for you. He, he, he's looking for like praise. Everybody's just kind of like, well, he's like, well, shut up. <laughs> That's exactly what Allison's doing. I'm trying to reinforce. Like, come on, he's a good-looking fella. But his hair, though. Yeah, the hair needs work. His face, though. The face needs work. <laughs> now, I'm no great beauty, so I can't really critique others. But it just... Actually... I, if I had to pick someone from this movie that I thought was attractive, Frankenfurt. Honestly, I don't think that his hair does him any favors. No. I think his face would actually be fine if he had a haircut that was respectable. He kind of looks um, like how toe-headed blonde he is. Uh, I wonder what... I wonder if he's Swedish. Like, he kind of has that kind of... He was dubbed. They didn't like his singing voice or his speaking voice. So he was dubbed by an Australian. Peter Hinwood. Yeah. <laughs> oh, he, he is English, though. He was born in England. Uh, but yeah, they didn't like his singing voice. Hmm. With the sort of Damocles song. I wasn't sure what that w was in reference to. The Sword of Damocles is about the uh, the problem of power and the danger of power. So the the story of the Sword of Damocles is that um, the king um, was so suspicious of those around him, he slept with the sword on like a very thin string above his bed. So if anyone disrupted, it would fall down. However, he had to always sleep with the paranoia that the sword could eventually get him. Um, so the Sword of Damocles is just kind of a... Um, I think I've read a different version of that story. Oh, okay. It was over the throne. Oh, okay. So the, the parable that I always understood it to be was about the perils of power. <laughs> and so if you're going to be sitting in that throne, you have to be aware that there's a, a well, sword hanging over your head. The same with the bed, though. I mean, it, Yeah, I mean, I guess it, it kind of could come to the same thing. So, anyway, so I wasn't sure what it meant in this story. 
So just that uh, his life, he understands, is kind of um, on the edge of a sword, so to speak. He was created, and he's just confused about his existence and what could happen. Um, my next minute mark is 5510. Here, here he comes. He, he, he's Meatloaf. Oh, wow. smashed through the wall. They didn't make a door for him. All right, so here's Meatloaf. And now, are you guys trying to claim that this is the rockiest song in Rocky Horror Picture Show? Well, I think it's classic rock. And when you look at uh, Meatloaf, Meatloaf is a rock performer. All right, Timmy. So we are at uh, 45.15, and this is your clip. Why don't you take us off? So, yeah, just like the, the, the first the deranged, deranged look in Frank of Horror's eyes when he yanks out the, the ice pick. This is like worth worth. Like he was like you know you, you knew he was a little shady to begin with and this c- confirmed it you know when he you know just murders Eddie straight up mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> um, so and I wasn't sure. him him coming out of, oh sorry him coming out out of there is like stumbling while trying to sound like or trying to look like he's like so so like you know like pristine elegant as funny as hell too don't be cross it was mercy <laughs> killing <laughs> yeah, that's so the face he makes while he was chasing him down there <laughs> it was great yeah. <laughs> yeah meanwhile he's neglecting his child already <laughs> <laughs> the smile <laughs> like, him putting his hands down uh, like that like, like sheepishly yeah oh and <laughs> he couldn't take off his own gloves he leaves it to somebody else to do Oh, he's just lovely. Oh, baby. Baby. <laughs> Don't be upset. Yeah, he was, he was like, oh, yeah, I'm feeling like, don't worry, I'm going to, like, I'm very diplomatic. I'm very, you know, like, trustworthy person. Oh, I just killed the guy. Okay, whatever. Makes me wanna take Charles Atlas by the hand, hand, hand and just seven days long, baby. I can make you a man. <laughs> he's doing, he's lifting up his arm to the beat of the song. Is he lifting anything or is he just doing that? No, he's just flexing. Just flexing. Well, he's got yeah. he's, he's got a rockin' bod, so you can, you, you know. A rocky bod? You gotta give that to him, I mean. Oh, yeah, I didn't say that he didn't. But you refuse to look at it. You're instead looking at his rather plain-looking face. I'm just looking at Frankenfurter. The look on Brad's face is bad thing, too. Here's, here's an electric guitar that's taking the forefront. This could be considered a bit of kind of slowish rock. Yeah. Kind of has that kind of rock anthem-y sound to it. Yeah. So what was I watching? Is that in this movie where uh, someone says, oh, no, it was in a Key and Peele skit. I'm just now remembering. Uh, they were... Uh, 
uh, Keegan Michael Key was playing a gay guy, and he was in a room of people who didn't know how to be around a gay person. And uh, he was he was getting married, and everyone was asking him questions, and they were like, "So at the end of the wedding, what do we throw it instead of rice? Skittles?" Or- <laughs> <laughs> well, you're not supposed to throw rice; it'll kill the birds. Well, don't throw it at the birds. Well, no, no, the, the they, they'll swallow the dry rice, and it expands in their stomachs. Yeah, that's very true. But that's the sacrifice that you know you have to make if you're going to celebrate your friend's wedding. Got to kill a few birds. Is that how it works? I am doing weddings all wrong. It's I'm tradition. killing no birds. It's true. You haven't killed any birds. How many weddings have you been to? I'm counting. <laughs> so I will say at my aunt Judy's wedding, we threw little sachets of bird seed. Um, so that way we're throwing something, but the birds are getting proper nutrients. Um, I just feel like if it's going to be a traditional Christian wedding, the birds have to suffer. I don't remember <laughs> any part of the Bible to like fish suffer in the Bible because sure. you know, fish and bread and well, wine. Jesus conjured the fish out of nothingness. So I don't think any real fish suffered unless they were real fish. And he just murdered like mass murdered them and teleported them. So I forget what Island it is. They had to declare a certain like rodent. That's a popular meat source, uh, not popular, but like one of the only meat sources of nutrients on the Island. They had to declare it a fish uh-huh. so they could eat it on um, the, the Fridays where you're not allowed red meat or meat. Right. I just found that interesting that we're allowed to change a, a land animal that's kind of similar to a guinea pig and call it a fish so it can fit the scripture. Well, I mean, that's kind of, look, this is the wrong podcast to be talking about this. <laughs> we need to go back to atheistic cast. <laughs> uh, I, I have more to say, but let's, that's for a different time. Okay. Um, so birds, kill them for a wedding. That's just the way things are tradition i mean if guests ordered the chicken instead of the steak you know in weddings how you're given the option of like fish or steak or chicken or steak so if they what choose wrong you kill some pigeons and well no if they choose chicken you're killing the sacrificial chicken bird a chicken Mm. is a bird indeed Mm. and a duck is just a chicken with a kazoo (laughs) yes glad you're coming with me yeah (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, that's very much like Rocky Horror. Did you notice the one-eared dog? No. Yeah, one of the no. dogs that's chasing Rocky um, when he escapes it has one ear. I oh. didn't time mark that because I just now thought it interesting. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't know that I ever noticed that. All right, so are we still on a clip that people care about or do we need to move on? My next one is still 5510, although we're skipping your favorite scenes between... Frankenfurter and um, uh, Janet and Frankenfurter and Brad. We can't skip those. <laughs> so I, I didn't time mark them. Mine is right after the aftermath of that. Okay, so here we've got narration man. We've got... Uh, Terminologist man. Yeah. Uh, uh, oh. All right, here we go. So she's in her bed. Someone's coming in. She doesn't know who it is. She thinks it's Brad. Me, Janet. Oh, Brad, darling. Come in. He comes in with his... Glasses and a Bradwig. Yes, my darling. Oh, but what if... It's all right, Janet. Everything's going to be all right. How did you not know? I hope so, my darling. I'm afraid so, Janet. I'm afraid so, Janet. Oh, oh, you beast! You monster! What have you done with Brad? Her 
Um, no, nothing. Well, do you think nothing. I should? Why do you think I should? Oh, you tricked me. I wouldn't have. I never, never. Yes, yes, I know. But it isn't all bad, is it? I think you really find it quite pleasurable. Oh, oh. oh. So, yeah, flash forward to the white subject, white scene. <laughs> so when I saw this for the first time, I, my direct quote was, "So Janet's going to do Brad that way? Like just all of a sudden she's just going to cheat on him?" But then Brad did it after, and I said so the same. But I said the same thing about Brad. Brad's going to do Janet that way. Oh, okay. But why are they cheating on each other? But she, I had to say it here first because she was the first one to. She was the first domino. So maybe she just assumed that. Uh, Frankenfurter would be more knowledgeable about uh, the ways of uh, navigating. Even if flesh. he were, it's still cheating. Oh, I agree. I think it's terrible. So yeah, all of a sudden you're you're, you're on the other side of the argument. Last episode with Tale of Two Sisters. Oh, I'm still anti the, that dad. <laughs> the dad was open and honest about everything, and you were down on him. Yeah, still am. Yeah. <laughs> uh. And as brother and sister. Weird. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Can we also talk about elbow sex? Like, what is that? Elbow sex? Oh, yeah, that that's what they call what they were doing, the kind of, like, uh, folding the arm. They, the riffraff and magenta, a couple seconds before where you're queued up, mm -hmm. are doing a weird, like, elbow thing. They call it elbow sex. In the movie, or that's actually a real thing? Oh, it's what they call it in the movie. I don't know that it's a... Okay, here's them elbow sexing. Mm -hmm. Some candles. He goes in for a hug and a neck kiss. She's laughing about it. Or crying. I can't really tell. She's enjoying. <laughs> okay, <laughs> you say so. Coming. All right, so here we have the uh, the Brad scene. Brad, darling, it's no good here. It'll destroy us. Don't worry, Janet. We'll be away from here in the morning. Oh, Brad, you're so strong and protective. So does it also strike either of you guys <laughs> as up. weird um, that they go to bed and then dinner is prepared, like in the middle of the night? They just yeah. had a nap. This wasn't real sleep. Oh, it's a siesta. Yeah, just a bit of a nap. Okay. Maybe it's tomorrow. Maybe it's tomorrow's dinner. Tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow. All right, so here's the bed scene. I'm afraid so, Brad. I'm afraid so. But isn't it nice? <laughs> Why are you? What have you done with Janet? Nothing. Why do you think, Why do you think I should? <laughs> you tricked me. I wouldn't have. I Never, never. Never. Oh, yes, I know. But it isn't all bad, is it? Not even half bad. I just, I love <laughs> his legs. Just watching Brad's oh, legs. Stop, no, stop, stop. No. Janet. Oh. Janet. Janet's probably asleep by now. Do you want her to see you like this? Like this? How? It's your fault. You're to blame. I feel like I they're taking the real set. thing. Oh, come on, Brad, admit it. You liked it, didn't you? There's no crime in giving yourself over to pleasure. Brad, you wasted so much time already. Janet needn't know. I won't tell her. Well, you promise you won't tell. <laughs> On my mother's grave. <laughs> Just that. <laughs> and then the, the like, Tommy. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I know. Oh, hang on. Keep, keep it. Oh, yeah, yeah. You want to keep watching? Because there's a... Uh, just the way he says coming. Oh. Coming! <laughs> 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 and but then, after this. What's happening? 
So, um, and then we can just really quickly show the dogs. There. Alright, so, so they're chasing poor little Rocky Horror outside in the rain. And one of the doggies only had a little one-eared dog. Okay, that, um, my next one is at 59.57. I just said uh, smooth riffraff. Alright, so what's going on here? Hey, Scotty! Uh, Dr. Everett Scott! You know this earthling? You know this earthling? Person. Person. <laughs> that was just like, good cover up there. Good, nice, and not suspicious. <laughs> Yeah, it was at that moment where, like, I, I don't know that I... Was there any clue that they were aliens or anything before that? No, just weirdly behaved. I loved that this is an hour into the movie, and we're just revealing that they're probably aliens. <laughs> that was great. They're aliens, why not? <laughs> they have a very Zoidbergian uh, approach to life. Yeah. I told you my car broke down. So that, that was all I had for that was just his... Horrible cover-up of the alien kind of conversation. Uh, my next one is at 102.50. Oh, uh, okay. I have the same. This is just like the most ridiculous dialogue. Just the, Dr. Scott, Brett. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <I know. laughs> talk about lingering too long on us. Yeah, but that was intentional. <laughs> like they meant to do that to be silly. Janet! Ah, Rook! Look. Janet! Dr. Scott! Janet! Ah, Rook! Janet, Dr. Scott, Janet, I'm Rook. I made you, and I can break you just as easily. Dinner is provided. Dramatic face on the guy. Excellent. Under the circumstances, formal dress is to be optional. Um. My my next uh, timestamp is one oh six oh eight. So during, I believe it was this scene, the uh, filmmakers wanted her uh, Susan Sarandon to be naked. However, she refused. Which is interesting because in um, the stage show or the floor show, um, you definitely see everyone's boobs. Well, yeah. So there was probably they wanted it to be like that in in this version as well, but Susan Sarandon decided that her boobs were only for her, her and no one else. Oh, no, I meant the floor show in the movie when they're all in the pool swimming around each other. Oh, that. Uh, uh, it may uh, have just been a wardrobe slip, but you definitely see nudity. I think there was nudity in the one of the ladies who was wearing the corset Columbia. thing. <laughs> it was odd, mm -hmm. too, because it looked like they were intentionally like peeking out. They yeah. probably... It, the corsets that they are wearing, I will say, seem... Like they're they're definitely fitting for the the movie. Um, they are not properly fitted for the bodies that they're on, and I don't mm. know if that's like something from the seventies or um, the oh. fashion choice they were trying to make. But a properly fitted corset, I think she was just sliding out of the the corset. Yes, possibly. Well, she was dancing around and all that. Yeah, and, and she's a you know a very well trained dancer, little Nell. All right, so uh, are we staying here or are we going elsewhere? 10608. Oh, Talking about Eddie, that's rather a tender subject. That's a rather tender subject. <laughs> they all very, are very calm at the fact that they were just eating people. Rocky doesn't seem to mind. So would you call this a horror movie? A horror picture show? I think it's 
horror comedy horror camp kind of wheelhouse. Camp. Hmm. Can't be kitschy. What about you, Timmy? Yeah, I think it's the same vein. Like, I mean, I feel like this like it probably leans a little heavier in the sci-fi, especially towards the end. Um, yeah, but, I, I don't know that I ever really got horror vibes from it, even comedy ones. It, it seemed more just like it was just it was campy. Mm-hmm. You know. Well, I would say like in different circumstances, and if you got rid of kind of the sexy raunch of it, or toned it down a little bit, it would have been a very good one of those classic movies that we watch. You know riff tracks too or something like some mm-hmm. of the the plot devices that they use i wonder if uh riff tracks has done a track for this i wonder yeah i don't, I don't know but i was just mm-hmm. like thinking of like you know the black and white classic horror and classic sci-fi like our planet earth you know it, it definitely has those feels to it yeah sure normal view normal and also this fella what this is uh dr everett mm-hmm. everett scott eddie's all, uncle all of a sudden he just spiked the camera. Well, he didn't really spike it. Like he intentionally looked at it and talked to the camera. Yeah. I, I liked that too. I, I thought I just randomly, we're going to break the fourth wall. We haven't done it until this point. No, we have. Yeah. Like Frank and Fur, when they, when they are ready for to do Rocky's birth, like he says, on the Brad J, he, he, he turns the camera and just kind of smiles and keeps going. Oh, does he? Yeah. Oh, okay. There's a couple times where he did, or throws the water glass at the camera during um, Sweet Transvestite. What? Never mind. Withdrawn. <laughs> Good. <laughs> you should feel bad. <laughs> I do. Think about what you've done. <laughs> Shame. Shame. All right. So. Shame. Shame. Do we have anything else in this area or are we moving on? 109.55 is my next, which is basically just the. Uh, Wise Up Janet Weiss song, which I just, it makes me feel just, I I love how he puts her down, like, because of his jealousy of her. Like, you're as sensual as a pencil. (laughs) Your apple pie don't taste too much. (laughs) Brad gets up like he's going to do something. (laughs) 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 Dr. Scott instead. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Why did he yell at him? I'll tell you twice. You better watch out, Janet Weiss. Your apple. Yeah, I love a singer. Like, I mean, I, I know, I, 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 I know that like Tim Curry is so long. He's like those heels, but like having worn heels and trying to walk around in them, like he is straight up running in those heels. Yeah, Allison gave oh, me her heels one Halloween, and I wore those. They, well, they were more than heels; they were like platform things. Yeah, that's when you were uh, dressed as Jon Snow, so you were kind of drag Jon Snow. Drag Jon Snow. <laughs> drag <laughs> Snow. I could do that. Um, but yeah, her chasing him, chasing her around again, has another little bit of a sexual predator vibe to it. Yeah. Well, at that point, like- she's a sexual competition. Yeah. But she's, you know, in her skivvies. <laughs> I love his, like, gentle touching of his face when he does. You are so quick with fear, you tiny fool. <laughs> you tiny fool. I think it's funny that he's wearing shoulder pads. My can be nice. <laughs> You Frank won't find Carter. Earth people mm-hmm. quite the easy mark you imagine. This sonic transducer. It is, I suppose, some kind of audio vibratory physiomolecular transport device. You mean? Yes, <laughs> You mean? Yes, I do. I've been working on it for quite some time. But it seems our friend here has found a means of perfecting it. 
device which is capable of breaking down solid matter and then projecting it through space and who knows, perhaps even time. Uh, you can see the production lights in his glasses. He's going to send us to another planet. <laughs> planet. Planet. Janet. You better wise up. Janet Wise. You better wise up. Build your thighs up. You better wise up. And then she cried out. Using a soft potter of her hand to swat him away like a true... <laughs> Classic oh, villainous. We missed the the part where uh, Brad smacked her hand at dinner. Oh yeah. But we need to fi- we need to pay attention to where she's gonna step on his foot. I like how unbothered he is. All right, so he's turned into a statue and nudified. That makes me wonder if. That uh, David statue behind them was once a person. Yeah. <laughs> he kept his blanket, though. Yeah, no one wants to. Right, and she's it. naked for her statue, but I guess it could have been someone else's body. Yeah. I will say that I I may have Columbia appearance, or I'm sorry, Magenta appearance, but I love Columbia the most. I what accent of, do you see that this is? Like, kind New of a York? Cockney. Oh, uh, No, it's like New York. You're like a sponge. You take, 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 and drain others. Your milk. hearse is kind of like 1920 New Yorker. <laughs> You've got to choose between me and Rocky. So named because of the rocks in his head. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um. So my next, th- this is my next timestamp, actually. Um, Because my note is just simply, based on what we know of Zach, does he find Frankenforter adorable like he does Cartman in the scene? And now I think we know the answer is yes. Every scene, he's adorable. It's not easy having a good time. <laughs> Even smiling makes my face ache. Fighting <laughs> 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 your finger. Time on me. Rock is behaving just the way that Eddie did. Do you think I made a mistake? Splitting his brain between the two brain. of them. I grow weary of this world! When shall we return to Transylvania, huh? Magenta, I'm indeed grateful to both you and your brother, Riffraff. You have both served me well. Loyalty such as yours shall not go unrewarded. You will discover that when the mood takes me, I can be quite generous. I ask for nothing, Master. And you shall receive it in abundance. So that line right there, my dad used to use that on me when I was a kid. Did you ever say I ask for nothing? No, he would say you'll get nothing in abundance. (laughs) (laughs) So I I had a very sad childhood. I I got nothing. Except potato candy. Not even and well. Pepper water. I got that when I went to my mom's house. <laughs> when I was at my dad's, I got nothing. And he liked it. And I liked it. My next one then is one sixteen fifty four. Diabolical. And I was just gonna say a shameless plug for our podcast in the lyrics of this song. Oh, in the song, <laughs> yep. Rose colored my world or whatever. Rose tint. From what had gone before, it was clear that this was to be no picnic. 
So why does he have, uh, like, uh, cream cheese all over his face? Oh, I think it's a face mask. Yeah, if you say so. It looks a lot like cream cheese. So are we supposed to assume that uh, the that Frankenfurter's machine gizmo not only turns them into stone, but also like has mind control over them? Yeah, uh, he said the line, um, a mental mind fuck can be nice, so I think it's supposed to do something to affect the mind. Right. Kind of looks like um, Black Swan in that scene. You know, I was gonna say, uh, what's her face with the big red hair? Mm-hmm. Um, I think her face reminds me of person we know or someone in cinema. A batter. She looks like a baseball player. She takes off her face and swings. Harley Quinn. Okay. <laughs> Whew. <laughs> that was great on a podcast. I was not speaking, just pantomiming for Allison, but she got it. I think she looks like Harley Quinn. Marco Ruby. Uh, uh, I don't know or if it's specifically, just, just generically. Cartoon. Yeah. So my next song uh, or clip is actually at the end uh, where he's talking about going home, the I'm going home song. Uh, I think that is one of my top rated songs in the movie i just thought his singing there was just so beautiful okay this yeah Cause I've seen he's got such an uh, a way about him he feels delicate mm-hmm. just his singing is so beautiful mm-hmm. he's actually being genuine for the first time oh i don't think he's being genuine here at all well <laughs> I think he's well. playing up the character. Uh. So we've got a uh, rose-colored reels or rose-tinted reels showdown. <laughs> is is he being genuine or not? What What's your argument? Why well, you- maybe more like he's just trying to save his ass. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I think he's performing up a vulnerability because he knows that he is in danger. Uh, he's going home. He doesn't really have a choice in it, so he's... Hamming it up like, oh, this was my idea. Timmy, rebuttal? Yeah, I think it's it's like that. I think it's, he, he's shaped, like what Alice, like crying what Alice said, I think he's shaping the situation to his benefit, or trying to at least. So have you come uh, over to her way of thinking that he is not being genuine, or do you think he's still being genuine? Oh, yeah, no, I think I think he's trying to save his, save his skin. Yeah. <laughs> I have, I have, uh, I've shifted my, my, my belief on that one. All right. Allison one, Timmy zero. Ha ha ha. Victory <laughs> is mine. After this, there's a clip that I want to show from, um, the movie Congo because I think it is my favorite Tim Curry scene ever. All right. <laughs> I think I know what it is. So that was my last timestamp. Bravo, encore. All right. So, um, we've reached the end of the interesting things in this movie, apparently. <laughs> Well, and, and because, I didn't say that. It just and because we're American, we don't get the final song. <laughs> <laughs> that 
they they thought that we wouldn't understand it. Apparently, they they thought that our tiny little American brains wouldn't be able to comprehend the nuance of superhero song. You killed them. They liked you. Nobody likes me. That's the, the next line oh. from from Riff Raff. I've only seen this once. I don't know nothing. <laughs> well, it's after uh, Riff Raff kills everybody. Ah. How sentimental. <laughs> He's got like a peacock thing coming out of his hair. Well, yeah, he was wearing that headpiece. Presumptuous of you. You see, I'd like to know what uh, Riff Raff, the actor that played Riff Raff, something O'Brien, mm-hmm. Richard, what he, he was basing his voice on, or if that's his real voice. I would love it if that were his real voice. I think it is. That's so Richard of- O'Brien actually brought this estate, and it's now like a. A rental, like you can stay there, and everyone does time warp. And oh, really? That's pretty awesome. But but, but um, his voice—it just sounds like he's got a, th- a frog in his throat. British Kermit. Yes, <laughs> I'm British Kermit. It's not green over here. It's kind of bluish green. It's always overcast. <laughs> it's not easy being bluish green. <laughs> also, I like that he's looking like a snork with that hair. <laughs> he does. <laughs> And I like her hair too. That is definitely a shout out to like Bride uh, of Frankenstein. Yeah. Yeah. That's grand. Okay, well, if that's all we've got, man, that's all we've got. Let's let's get to the uh to nitty grits. Yeah. All right. So <clears throat> was it as good as you remember? Timmy, why don't you go first? I say yes, like because like I mean like honestly the first time I watched it when I was like that that's like I didn't really like get into it, but after I did like I watched the second time, that's when it really like it, it sunk in. I'm like, yeah, this is really fun, and it just it always uh, it just it, like, I feel like I like it more even every time I see it. Like there's like little things that we pointed out. There's like the little ambiances that just little, little bits of humor if you don't catch. Like it's, it's always got something new. I feel like now it's going to be argued by me that you haven't really experienced it until you've gone to one of the live showings where you throw toast and shoot water guns in the air and. Throw cards for sorrow and cards for pain. Why are there water guns? Oh, uh, so when Brad and Janet are walking into the castle, it's raining. Oh, <laughs> so everyone yes. shoots water pistols in the air That's to get adorable. everyone wet. That's adorable. Yeah, I would love to do that. I think that sounds like so much fun. It, it's a very good group experience, but you have to dress up. We didn't. Yeah, I was gonna say, didn't Timmy not? You didn't either. That eh, was weird. No, be close. right before I did the costume. So people give you grief when you go in there undressed up? Well, they usually do like a best dressed kind of competition thing. That's part do they also say worst dressed? Like people who didn't dress nah. up? Well, no. They really should. No, but they may uh, identify you as clearly virgin. Yeah, I'm fine with that. Yeah. Well, prepare to do something to... I had to, my first virgin showing, I had to eat a cookie off of someone's torso. What kind of cookie? It was a chocolate chip, like a Toll House. All right. What kind of person? It was some guy I didn't know. Oh, from. my God. Yeah. Has, yeah. has Mark heard about this? Well, Does it he was... know what type of person you used to be? Back in two, 2005, <laughs> Allison was a very different human. I went with my friend Cindy. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it was, a, it was a college production. It was fun. Neat. Mm-hmm. Well, I could eat a cookie. <laughs> So that's all I'm saying. Uh, do you think this movie contributed anything to cinema? 
I think it's interesting that it uh, was considered a cinematic flop, but only from its cult following has it been considered good. So I, do, you, do you think this was like the first cult, uh, big cult movie? I think it was a groundbreaking camp film. Yeah. I, I think that this, when you identify what you believe cult films, this really paved the way. Like even, you know, before The Room or, you know, um, well, Troll 2. The, yeah, far before. When did Troll 2 come out? That must have been late 90s, I would guess. Late 80s. Late 80s. Well, you can't take a piss yeah, on hospitality. You 19- cannot take a piss on hospitality. <laughs> Never. Uh, 1990. <laughs> <laughs> 1990? Um. Oh, man, we've got to do that movie at some point. But we have to find one of our friends who hasn't seen it. Fine. I just need to see that movie again. And we have to record our thoughts on it because it's such that is that a may be a good uh, us riff track. Yes. Yes. Anyway, yeah, any golly way. So, uh, Timmy, what, what are your thoughts of, on it contributing to cinema? Did it? Did it not? I think, yeah, I think it was to kind of like outside of like me, like being an odd, oddball, like, I mean, because like, like. The 70s were just full of like stuff. It's just like, okay, let's see what we can do. Yeah. And well, like, yeah. adds to it. And I feel like it, it probably paved the way for a lot of other eyeball movies to get made because I mean, even though, like, like we said, like it wasn't a success like theatrically initially, but I mean, it became a cult classic. I mean, like, it's one of those things, if you've never seen it, you've at least heard of it. Right. Like, it, it, it's synonymous with, with like low budget, or not like low budget filmmaking, but like, you know, like cult status and. And like being with one of those like little movies that could, you know, absolutely. I think I think it kind of, in some ways, it kind of changed the game on that because I mean, like it's like I think it's it's had longer run in theaters than any other movie in existence. I think. Holy moly! Yeah, I think it's been in theaters consistently for like forty years or whatever. It's wow. Yeah. Well, hopefully, the room can hope to achieve that sort of notoriety, staying power. <laughs> I think also one of the big differences between the room. And this is that um, this also has the musical element to it. It's for some reason, music is one of those things where it's so good to tap into songs that make you feel a certain way. And so while the room is hilarious and uncomfortable. So what you're saying is we need a a room musical. Yeah, absolutely. And it needs to be created by Richard O'Brien where I'm (laughs) tapping you riffraff do the thing. That would be pretty amazing, I have to say. I would pay to see that a lot. Uh, so, okay, so my, my opinion on this being, uh, contributing something to cinema is that all the cinematic, the technical cinematic moves and choices that they made, it seems it's all a pastiche, uh, an homage to other uh, movies in the genres that they're trying to encapsulate. The Fay Ray so I don't know that they're doing anything new. I don't know that they're breaking any new ground, but maybe mashing all those things together, it's that the act of doing that was new. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I can't think of anything else that had done that by this point. Um, and the fact that they did it so well, I am now revealing I like the movie. Yay. Uh, <laughs> uh, but the fact that they did it so well and that it had so much staying power in theaters as a, as a cult following, it may have even been the first cult movie Again, I don't know for sure, but I think for those reasons, it, it could be considered a, a cinematic uh, breakthrough. Mm-hmm. Well, it, it definitely, so that does uh, hurt your request from last time. Which was what? That the movie needs to be good on its first viewing. It was. 
Well, this one was, but um, it gets better on the multiple viewings and... Um, yeah, and I, and I said that if uh, on like a second viewing it gets better, that's all to the, the movie's credit, but it has mm-hmm. to be good on the first viewing also. Okay. I, I may have misinterpreted the... Yeah, my, my only problem with uh, The Tale of Two Sisters was that... It not, was better on the second viewing. No, no, that's not my problem. I think that's a good thing for a movie to be, but it has to also be good on the first viewing. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, The Tale of Two Sisters, I felt like just didn't have anything for a first-time viewer. So Timmy and Zach... Do you feel like there was anything problematic in this film? Do you think it could be remade as a modern film? Now, this is the first time I think we've had a movie where I can genuinely say, yeah, there's lots of stuff that I don't think could be done again. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't I don't know that they could even make a movie about a transvestite where the transvestite seems to be the aggressor. Yeah, I, I think that a little that- too J.K. Rowling. He, and yeah, the modern J.K. Rowling, for some reason, she's found a hill to die on, and that seems to be it. It makes me sad. I, I have thoughts on this. I, she, I think she's an older woman, <laughs> and I think the hill she's dying on isn't transgender. I think it's women. And I think she had many traumatic experiences when she was younger with men. And so I think in her heart of hearts, she thinks she's defending women. And she's doing it in a really bad way. She doesn't know. I, I, I just don't, I don't know why she's doing it this way. Yeah. I don't think, yes. she's even said she she's doesn't have a problem with transgender people. But she, the way she's talking is just not on. But just stop it. Yeah, just, just stop. stop yourself. Just stop. Yeah. Um, so, Timmy, what about you? I don't think you can redo it either. I think, I think there's too many things that just won't come off like, I think it's like it's like they caught lightning in a ball with just the, the right brain that's weird with it. Mm-hmm. And I don't think a lot of things will translate, especially like part reason why I don't think it would translate is like the one of things I really didn't like about like the uh, the TV remake they did was that it felt too polished and shiny, and like that's not what the story real. That's not what the, the aesthetic really is. And I feel like that's that they they if you try to like modernize it, you're just going to take away what makes it what makes it unique. That's yeah. interesting. You know, in uh. Things like, I'm not trying to equate these, especially uh, qualitatively, but things like the Scary Movie franchise, Mm -hmm. uh, which are like spoof movies. Mm -hmm. If you compare that to like uh, Naked Gun, (laughs) Naked Gun as a spoof movie is amazing. And they play everything really serious. And that's where the humor comes in because there's zany things happening around. But then when you go to like uh, Scary Movie, it seems forced and sad to me. It doesn't seem like a good parody. So I think there's, well, yeah. there's kind of an analogy there where like back in the day when they were kind of inventing that genre of thing, it just felt more organic and more, uh, I don't know, maybe it had more soul or something. Whereas scary movies seemed like it was trying to do the same thing, but they couldn't quite recapture it. So Zach, not too long ago, mm-hmm. Mark and I showed you Dracula Dead and Loving It with Leslie Nielsen playing Dracula. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so is it Leslie Nielsen you love? I do love Leslie Nielsen, <laughs> I have to say. Airplane was amazing also. <laughs> Although, whoa, whoa, it's not just Leslie Nielsen because Naked Gun 2 and 3, have I seen 3? I don't know if I've seen 3. but 33 and a third. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> I've seen the second one at least, and I really didn't like it. Yeah, the, the third one, it just... It, it went to a scary movie kind of territory. Yeah. Um, but it, Dracula didn't loving it. 
because it was Mel Brooks, I think they did that also in a very successful mm-hmm. nod to the genre kind of way. Absolutely. I love that movie. I, I'd like to see it again, <laughs> to be honest. I'll watch it again for the season this year. Timmy, did you ever see that one? I have. It's been a long time. <laughs> Renfield, you asshole. <laughs> I have seen it, but it's been a long time. So I think I'm going to put down my list this year, too. I love it. I For a while, I thought I was the only one that liked it. <laughs> well, it was funny because, like, speaking of, like, for, like you know, things with the fall about, listening to the Breakfast Club episode, like, he brought one spit, and I literally watched out the other night, speaking of vampire comedies. <laughs> oh, um, so now we're getting into the, the part of our show where we like to do a Rose Award for the character that contributed the most um, to the plot resolution, and then the Thorn Award um, for the person who inhibited the plot's resolution. So, like, the hero and the villain, I would say, um, or contributed the most and contributed the least. So, Timmy, who do you think deserves the rose? Hmm. Frank and Fur is easily my first pick because I can't not... He's number one, the whole thing. I don't know. I always love him. Like, even even when he's doing shitty things, I, he's still my boy. I don't know. <laughs> so for the antagonist Thorn Award, who is the antagonist for the Thorn? Oh, Brad. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Brad. See, I think Brad's more, oh, more Brad. of a benign character. Like, he's not doing anything. He's not effective enough or effectual enough to have been the he, thorn. He's beige paint on a wall. Yeah. <laughs> like, um, so my my rose and thorn go to the same person, Dr. Frankenfurter. Do you know what? I did the same thing. Interesting. I, I thought. I literally. <laughs> See, Frank. I'm a minority on this one. No, but when you said Brad, you know, I was actually, I thought what Allison said was that he's not dangerous enough to have been the thorn. (laughs) But I was actually kind of thinking, you might be right, because the whole time he's the only person trying to. He's vanilla frozen yogurt. There's no. He's he's sick in the mud. I'm not saying that you can't like it, but it's not a, like, it's not. It's not exciting. Yeah. It's not (laughs) coffee flavor or chocolate or strawberry. Nobody could object to it. Yeah. It's just, it's. It's a vanilla cupcake. Yeah, I can see that. He's white bread. Yeah, he's American cheese. Whoa, 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 whoa! Pla- plastic no, no. cheese. I have no, 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 no. <laughs> I, I have, I have to, I have to pull you up on that one because American cheese is terrible, and I would totally give my thorn to American cheese. <laughs> okay. I have a huge problem with American okay. cheese. Okay, hang on, hang on. Yeah, yeah. Mild cheddar. Okay. Okay. Mild cheddar. Yeah, something like provolone. It's it's soft. Swiss. Swiss, yeah. Uh, Swiss has a little bit more of a thing to it. I think provolone is just the kind of soft, it's nice, but it doesn't have too much flavor. It wishes it was Havarti or Gruyere. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> this has turned into the Rose Tinted Cheese podcast. Anytime cheese comes up, we get really passionate about it. <laughs> uh, that's the hill I'm going to die on. Yes, that <laughs> is the, the proper hill to die on. Because America. <laughs> so, so genre, I think we're identifying the genre as musical camp. Um, I would, the, I chose writing to be where I was going to rate the music. Okay. And genre, I was just doing camp, like standard camp. Standard camp. Um, so for a standard camp genre rating out of 10, what is your score, Timmy? Oh, yeah, 10. 10 out of 10? 10, 10. 10 out of 10. I gave it yeah, 10 out of 10. Easily. 
Oh, so I gave it a lower score. I gave it an eight out of 10. How could it have been more campy? Impossible. (laughs) (laughs) So I I also claimed that my my genre, I did musical and camp. Oh, okay. So if we're just doing on camp value alone, yes, I'll say 10 out of 10 camp. Okay, fair enough. Uh, Directing, I said five out of 10. There was an 11, I I choose that. (laughs) Exactly. Uh, So what would you give the... Uh, Allison gave directing a five out of 10. What would you give it, Timmy? Uh, I think seven, maybe. Seven? I also give... Yeah, 6.5. Let's go 6.5. 6.5? All right. I also gave it a five. Yeah, because not so much directed, but there's enough flourishes and stuff like that to make up for, I feel like. Yeah, it just, with the way the actors were performing and so used to performing from the stage production, I didn't think it needed a lot of direction. They just kind of did their thing. Oh, that's Yeah, it was effortless at that point. I was I was approaching my rating from more of a like how polished does it look, but part of the the charm of it not being polished is what makes it so great at camp. Mm-hmm. So, but I think one has to be at the expense of the other. So I think the directing it gets a lower rating, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. It's good that it wasn't so polished, mm-hmm. and that's what makes the 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 campiness so high. But anyway, I, I give it a five out of ten. So for writing. The, the screenplay, what did you think, Timmy, out of 10? Oh, well, I mean, I, I think it like, it's the right, I mean, I feel like, like, I mean, like a lot of it probably is the flourishes that the, the cast put to it. Like that, cause I mean, like words on paper, words on paper until somebody delivers it. Sure. So I'd say like, I'd say a good eight for the script and writing. Okay. I, you know what? I gave it an eight also. All right. Be- but that's because I was also rapping in the music and everything to the writing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I, I really enjoyed it. I thought the music was all catchy and stuff didn't hear a, a rock and roll piece in it uh, but the the, <laughs> the the other music was uh you know very good so um for me i will vary a little bit i said the writing was a seven but the acting was an eight because there wasn't anything particularly complex or um just like a speech that was like I was on the edge of my seat or like when we did sleuth, you know, the, the please scene, the way that that was written, that whole dialogue of script, that was a hugely successful script. Um, But the acting was what really carried the music and carried the, the, the screenplay. So I would say my rating was higher with acting than the writing because there wasn't anything groundbreaking in what they were saying but it was how they said it. So I still think that my favorite movie that you've shown me so far for the podcast is Sleuth. I absolutely loved Sleuth. I knew you would. I'm so happy. (laughs) Yeah, it was a great movie. Um, So uh, what I gave it for writing was an eight out of 10. That was for the music and everything. The acting, I gave it a six out of 10. And I think the, the six, because I, maybe I shouldn't, maybe I should also wrap in their performances as singing, in which case maybe I'd give it a seven. Mm Mm-hmm. So I'll amend that. So, uh, did uh, Timmy? Did you give your your rating for acting? Oh, uh, no, but I'd say it'd be an eight. I think I I say eight because at least uh, it was more like mediocre. I feel like the Curry makes up for most of that. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, like if really, I mean, if it wasn't, it's like one of those things. Like the other movie I can think of recently that was a good movie that was put over the top by one person's performance. Yeah, was the was the Joaquin Phoenix Joker? Because I mean, it's a pretty okay movie, but yeah. his performance is like makes makes it stellar. I, I, yeah, I don't know if I would go so far as to say that the movie itself was just okay. I thought it was good. I thought it was really good as a movie concept. Maybe not great, 
but you're right that his performance makes it amazing. Yeah, like, like I mean, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a, you wonder if like they if they miscast or something like that, how it would turn out differently. Yeah. Okay, so now the last rating is the overall real rating, and so I'm concerned about how I've rated this because I don't know. For a movie like this, it made me question how we're doing the ratings, how we're thinking, how we're calculating our ratings. Mm -hmm. Is it how it makes us feel? Is it how we enjoyed it or how we th how good we think it is? Like a critical rating versus a personal rating? Yeah. So I have been rating it based on critical um, so because I. I feel like the nostalgia rating is how we're rating how it's making us feel. Well, I don't know. So maybe we should break that into critical versus personal. That or we can just interject with what Rotten Tomatoes says is the <laughs> viewer score. I think I've been doing critical like you have been. And I feel like that's the right way to do it. But then I feel like it wouldn't accurately represent how I liked the movie well you usually say like i mean i loved it but i think critically it is such and such so you usually interject with your enjoyment versus critical right okay uh timmy what do you think as an overall rating for it what would it be what would you give it i think i'm gonna stick with eight eight out of ten all right allison i said um six out of ten okay and this is coming from someone who loves this movie yeah yeah I gave it a 6.5, so I'm... Ah, I'm, I said 6.5! And I'm half a point higher than you, and maybe that's because I loved Frankenfurter half a point more than you. Maybe. <laughs> I doubt it for me. I thought you said that you, you made fun of me for thinking he was adorable. Well, I make fun of you for thinking Cartman's adorable also. Because he is. Or Bender. They're both in the same way. <laughs> Somewhat evil people, but they're just so lovable. <sighs> Anyways, but um, so, yeah, I, I said six point uh, six out of ten. I was trying to give it a real critical review of it. Um, personally, I love it. Um, so I would rate it personally higher. But critically, critical acclaim, I would say six out of ten. Yep, I'm right on board with that. I'm six point five. I think it was a fun if just looking at it with a critic's perspective, it was a fun movie. The music was really good. Um, but like my low rating in directing and everything, I, it has to account for something. It, it was technically not a masterpiece, mm -hmm. but, uh, obviously personally, I really loved it. I thought it was a very enjoyable movie. Uh, so what's on the docket for our next show? Uh, so I believe our next one is going to be lost boys. Correct. And we're going to be doing that with our dear friend, Kaya, uh, uh, <coughs> um, I said Chris uh, I mispronounced it at first Christopher <laughs> Darkness <laughs> oh that should be his Halloween name Christopher yeah. Darkness mm -hmm. Christopher Darkness <laughs> I called him Darklet he called him Darkness Darkness still... is more Halloween-y so, so Timmy oh I forgot damn it I should have said at the top of the show Timmy's our first Halloweener yes on the yes show. you are our first Halloweener Woo! So we're, our friends are collectively on this show referred to as the Halloweeners, mm -hmm. and you are our first Halloweener to join us. Thank you very much for doing that. Uh, thank you for having me. I've always dreamed of being a Halloweener. <laughs> so, so, Timmy, I think you should set the stage for Lost Boys, because I know that that's one that you've seen and are partial to. Um, mm -hmm. But on a nostalgic rating, looking back at that film, out of 10, what would you rate that film on a personal level? I, see, I love that movie. 
and like I, I pretty much watch that every year. So I'm going to go with a nine. Nine out of ten. Holy moly! So do you remember Allison what you gave it? On I think I gave it a seven or eight. Well, uh, have a guess. I think I gave it a seven. You gave it a seven. <laughs> so uh, that's what we're going to be watching next episode. So in the meantime, everybody grab your copy of Lost Boys, rewatch it, and then listen to our episode and see if it holds up. And just really enjoy yourself and savor the sax man. And be good to one another. For goodness sake, just be be nice to your fellow person. Right? Yeah. Just, just love. Don't be an a-hole. Don't be an a-hole. And uh, to quote Mama Ru, Mama Ru Paul, if you don't love yourself, how in the hell are you going to love somebody else? Can I get an amen? Uh, I'll get a three man holla. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, that sound of the dog. (laughs) And on that bombshell, that's it for us. Thank you everyone very much for listening. And we will talk to you on the next episode. Thanks everybody. Bye. So let me cue up my uh, favorite Tim Curry. <laughs> why, why are you making magic hands at my iPad? I'm just making sure you weren't going to smack my hand away. Uh, okay, so Allison's going to cue up something for us to watch. I don't know. what are you tra- Where are you trying to go? YouTube? Yeah, I hope it's on there. I'm sure it will be. Is it what I think it is? Probably. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Whatever. Sesame Cake Congo is what she typed into YouTube. <laughs> I knew it. Have some. You have our visas. You have our manifest. This is a legitimate scientific mission. You have no right to detain us. Liar, liar, your pants on fire. So says my computer, Miss Ross. Huh. You used to work for the CIA? And now you're Travicom. Travicom pays better than the CIA. You have a big mouth. Everybody says that about me. <laughs> what can I do? Monroe, you have the worst timing in the world. Tell me about it. Hey, it's Gus's dad. Blew up the president's Mercedes. <laughs> well, his first one. That. This is a big plot. My country will be in shit for at least a year. Captain, I need that truck. You need the truck? You also need ten good men to the border. More. <laughs> <laughs> Munching into like a rice cake or something. Sesame cake. Oh. Stop eating my sesame cake. <laughs> Stop eating my sesame cake. <laughs> Mm. <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing in my country? Bag of shit. Eating sesame cake. Captain, please. I only wish to explore and discover. This fellow is a big bag of shit. <laughs> <laughs> That's 
smacking his cheeks with his blood. He owes money to everybody everywhere he goes. I will ask you to wait outside, Mr. Molka. <laughs> <laughs> so it's this and his role of Rooster and Annie. I like that, Mr. Ross. You surprise him. He was an Annie? Yeah, he played um, the bad guy, uh, Rooster. Let me see. Um, so that's my other. That's where I actually fell in love with him, uh, was Rooster and Annie. 